Green shit. <laughs> nah, for real, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, bro! How you beautiful gentlemen are doing in this amazing Sunday afternoon? Oh, I got you. I got. Oh, my- got snow on the ground so it's not that amazing for me i gotta go out and fucking shovel after we're done recording here so bro you know how dominica i am when you say you got snow on the ground i'm like past that shit over here i need to wake up <laughs> i'm like shit <laughs> <laughs> oh it's gonna be a real one today oh shit we going uh to the streets the streets <laughs> we're gonna keep it biblical and amazing at the same time brother Oh my God. Yo, I just, well, first of all, before we even get started with anything, I am so fucking glad to have you on the show finally. Um, Like I, I was saying before, like there's like the three wise men of the uh, action movie Twitter universe is is you, is a, a, a Christian, uh, John Informatic, and is our, our boy Alex, a uh, one perfect headshot. Like y'all's is like, this is like the the, the domain, the, the the magi of of movie, of movie shit going on. It is like, this is incredible. Oh look at it! Oh now 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 we're four. But like yeah, this is like this is like this is a big fucking deal right now to have you on the show. I'm so happy to have you finally. No, I appreciate you guys. I mean, it's crazy that you put me in that company because those you know those two guys, bro, the stuff that they know and they write, bro, it makes me feel like I'm like damn, B. I can't even spell what the hell he wrote, bro. Google, help me. I'll correct this for me, man. Yo, you but know at the same time, you be doing all the all the all the intricate spec shit for the Blu-rays and DVDs. Cause you know, all these fucking nerds out here that all the film nerds, they be like, oh, physical media is the way to go. You gotta buy DVDs, you gotta buy Blu-rays, you got all your movies. But they don't know shit about them. They, they, they don't they, they don't know they fuck shit, but they have no idea. You you ain't even the actual nuts and bolts and in, in, in the with the gigabeters and the and the gigawatts and the in the in the it hurts and shit. You doing that shit for real. And nobody, none of these fucking even even the real journalists who are the shit, like they they they, they have they have no say in that stuff. So you were like doing like an amazing service to the film community while still being cool as fuck and being better than them because they all suck. <laughs> I appreciate that. But now, nah, I mean, the reason I do all this analysis and believe it or not, man, I got some hate towards the thing that I do. And I man, that means I'm doing my job, man. Is that the, the films that we watch um, from the 70s, 80s and 90s had a particular look to them. Yeah. So when you release these films on Blu-ray, and you don't capture the essence of the styles from that era, I'm going to call it out. I'm not going to take it because, oh, they gave me my movie finally. Nah, man, I'm going to take it or leave it type of person. If it didn't mm-hmm. come out the way I remember it to look like, or even doing it doing it justice, like in the audio or even the picture quality in general, I don't yeah. want it. I'm good with my DVD. And I'm making sure people don't fall for the FOMO of, oh, mm-hmm. I need to get every little pretty package out there, man. Yeah, they just, they just got like, like five versions of Arrow Blu-ray or Eureka, or like, and it's like, it's like, it's a scam. It's like when I when I bought uh, Fury Road or whatever or Mad Max, it was like you can buy Fury Road, then you can buy Black and White, then you can buy the, the the three pack. I'm like, bitch, I got that kind of money. And the same thing, like you know, Arrow and and, and Eureka and all, all these guys and and the film, like yeah, it's like it's it's fantastic that they have this that like you know long lost stuff is available to you, but like they like kind of like nickel and down me for this shit. It's like yo, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I. I promote digital a lot because when you buy a film on iTunes, you get also the updates for free. You don't have to pay for the updates. That's something that Apple fought for. And a lot of these, um, you know, physical media fanatics, they're like, they get scared. They always mention Netflix and this and that. Like, yo, fam, I'm not talking about Netflix. I'm talking about digital storefronts like iTunes, Voodoo. These platforms allow you to buy something on sale, like the way video games do it with Steam, where they do like weekly sales. Apple does that. And when you buy a film on iTunes, 
not only can you, you know, back it up to your computer, but you also could strip the DRM. Very similar to the way you do with your Blu-rays or DVDs. You could take the DRM out and back them up to your own personal hard drive or to cloud storage. And I'll be going to be shining more light on that soon when it comes to, like, digital backing up, digital storefront backups. Yo, because, yo, I'm not buying... I'm not buying trading places like eight times already. I did that on DVD and all that. I love that film, but I'm not. That's not no. I don't have room for that. Yo, you know, I, I, Frankie, nice to meet you. But I just have to pop in and say, like, there's so many of our friends on 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 Twitter that are like complaining about their finances and then posting about the next fucking steel book that they bought. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, what are you really buying? Are you buying it to post on Twitter to show people, look at my collection? Yeah, it's, it's so much of their income. I'm just like, it's a lot of money. This shit adds up. Like, I hope, like, have your rest of your life taken care of before you become a collector. That's that's the thing I tell people. People think I have a massive library. I do not. I am very particular in what I own. I, I, you know, when I buy a film, the packaging has to be all on point. That's why I still buy Laserdisc, because I love the way they look. I love the way they sound. And it looks beautiful. Look, I like my packages the way I love my woman, bro. I like them pretty and stacked. You know what I mean? Hey, yo, I told y'all niggas. I told y'all niggas. We got ambassador on the line right now. Y'all have no idea. Oh, my God. We, this is the whole story now. We ain't got a photo you know, intro. Fuck the y'all. This is it. We getting gems off the bat, off the rim. Yeah, well, let's, let's, keep it a, let's keep it a buck. Like, what, what are people really buying for? And I, and I see it online. Like, I see all these stacks. And then when I say, oh, I can't get it. I got to pay the bills. Like, yo, fam, you bought, like, 15 Blu-rays, bro. You could have got that library up on iTunes for $5. And people look at me, bro, I like to hold a piece of plastic. I'm like, well, fam, I don't give a damn if, if you know, it's like a woman. You don't give a damn if it's plastic or not. You know what I mean? Like, you could get it, you could get it. You feel me? But you're buying limited edition waifu pillows, man. I'm like, what, is, what are y'all doing, man? I gotta you have know, a finger trigger on the mute button on this one because I'm gonna laugh over too much of the show. I mean, these guys are spending a hundred dollar pillows on white foods and everything when they could have spent that in the bar and got themselves a, a nice, beautiful Mexican consuelo for 50 bucks. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. So that's the thing I'm putting out there, man. Like, yo, you guys don't like get iTunes stuff, man, because really a lot of these people don't understand. And when I do my analysis in my videos, Nine out of ten of these people do not have the audio equipment to take the full advantage of these Blu-rays. You right. guys have, like, using your TV speakers still. Nothing wrong with that. You, you even got a sound bar. You didn't even have a 7.1 setup. So why are you buying these Blu-rays for $50 or $60 <clears throat> if there's an iTunes version for 10 bucks when the picture quality looks the same? Now, mind you, it depends if you live in New York City, L.A. with good internet connections. It's more towards them. If you live in middle America... And yeah, your only option is physical because the online sucks out there. So I keep it a buck. I'm not saying everybody do it like this, but don't cry about your money, bro. When I see you a stack of Vinegar Syndrome collections that go for 50 bucks a pop, I'm like, come on, bro. Come on. Like, you know, people people be bugging me out. It's all about like, hey, look at me. I'm in the corner of the internet. I know my stuff. I'm like, yeah, bro. Do you actually watch it, though? Everything I get, I watch that same day. You know what wow. I mean? I yeah. always do. Either at the gym, or I work. Oh, I hope that my job don't see this. But you know, <laughs> but you know, I watch them. I don't buy stuff and be like, I'll watch it next week. I can't do that. I'm very particular when it comes to my phones. This is great. Uh yeah, no, I'm I I I understand it because I've got 
I've got four kids and and money's always an issue. So like I'm I'm pressing people to buy the 4K upgrade of Skyline, which I'm not going to f- see a dime of anyway. But in my own personal life, I very rarely will will buy physical anymore, just because you know it's it's my my own personal expenses are like n- item number 120 on the list that in my house. So it just doesn't even factor into the equation. Oh, talking about Skyline here, that thing is so rare to get on 4K because it was only on 4K and iTunes for years. Now that we got a physical one, see, I'm feeling like that in particular. You showing support. Wait, genre, you know, there was a 4K on iTunes. I don't know this. This is really well, got Frankie here for I speak the truth. Hence my name, Frank. Let me be frank with you. Based on the Frank on the French tribe, the Franks. You know what I mean? <laughs> By my name, brother. So I'm, I'm <laughs> truth and the light, man. You know, it's Sunday, man. I'm preaching, man. Allah fucking knew you. Oh my god. Oh, they say take me to the church. Ah, yes. <laughs> 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 nah, but but Skyline was on 4K forever on iTunes. Same thing with like the John Woo, A Better Tomorrow is on iTunes and 4K Adobe Vision. Hmm. You know, so while everybody's still praying for some, you know, the Chinese to unleash that film. I'm like, do you just get an iTunes? There's a copy on YouTube somewhere, bro. Like, you don't, like, the longer you wait, the longer you're going to freaking go, you're going to go through this life thinking about John Woo's, man. Like, what the hell's wrong with you, man? Think about going to Dubai or something, man. Oh, man. <laughs> you hear about John Woo? Really? How is this going to change your life? You you got the DVD already? Like, how many copies Ooh, you need, bro? Like, come on. I mean, we, these are movies here, man. Not women, man. I'm talking about the woman. Where the woman at, bro? Worry about that. And that's the problem. People focus on the wrong things in this world, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, yo, look. I, man, I don't even know. We talking about creed and shit, but now we talk about, we talking about, we talking about spiritual and God. We're doing, we doing a gospel. Oh, I wasn't ready for this. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yo, everything connects. Everything is spiritual, man. Because you know why? If if nothing connects, we don't get hype when we see somebody getting body slammed in the film. You know what I mean? You know me and you are going to be screaming when we see Scott Atkins come out with his fat suit in John Wick 4. We'll be like, yo, fuck that motherfucker up. That's what I'm talking about. We're going to be there screaming in the middle of Times Square and watching those hipsters from Wintersburg be like, oh, my God, look at these ghetto people here. I'm like, come on now. Don't, don't, Don't go all out now. Don't go out now. We was here first, motherfucker. We was here first. Go back to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, man. Get Roddy up in here, man. When we see some, you know, when we see like some titties or some ass whoopings, we go crazy, B. That's how we do, man. You know what, you know what I mean? That, for me, when I see an ass whooping, it's like the Holy Spirit attack me. I'm like, let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, titties, funny, kung fu. That's, it's, it's, the, it's all packaged. It's all the same. Man, I mean, big guns, big tits, man, and big fights, bro. Big explosion, man. We're Michael Bay up in this bitch in there. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Oh, I think man. we just got the title of the episode there, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've given up on even trying to control this episode. <laughs> well, let, let's try it right now. Let's 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 start it. You know, this, I'm, I'm, I'm very hyped when I meet people because I'm still I got a DJ mentality. I just flow, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's all I do. That's all I flow. So you know what? Control the narrative. I'm here drinking my water because I'm still hungover from last night. I was hanging out with Serbians and Russians and Dominicans oh, and Puerto Ricans. I love you know, it. I mean, my friend got married yesterday, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm drinking with Russians and Serbs and Puerto Ricans. I'm gonna die tonight. And it was. <laughs> oh, what, what's the name of that Serbian liquor? It's like it, uh, I forgot the name of it. I was over there last year. It's made out of grape or something. It's yeah, like- yeah, yeah. But they drink it like coffee. They like, they like. We, we would have it after lunch. They're like, no, it gives you like a, a you know, a little kick. Like it gives you energy, it gives you strength. 
Well, this was like 11 o'clock at night, so I didn't get blessed with that coffee liquor thing. All I know is I'm there and I'm holding some random Russian girl's feet. That's all I remember. This is beautiful. I was talking about her feet because she had ginormous feet and I was very intrigued. I turned old Tarantino up in that motherfucker. I'm like, damn, you got some big ass feet. I'm like, yo, I never had a girl with a woman with big feet. Like, this is fascinating. Is it the same what they tell white guys with big feet? Is it the same for women? Is it the same? I need to find out on the next episode of Times Square Come Through. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh. Mike, 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 start the episode. Start the episode, Mike. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's episode of Action for Everyone for this here, March 5th, 2023. I'm, as always, your host, Mike Scott, joined by Vice Victus. Vice, how are you today? Hey, yo, I need one to the bullshit. Today, we have the most illustrious guest you could imagine. I'm talking hype because I'm he just hyped me up, pumped up. I'm like, oh, my God. Yo, listen. All right. We had, we've had many guests on this show from, you know, the, the film industry and, you know, uh, writers and thinkers and philosophers. Today we have a kind of the whole package right now. So yeah, I'm just there. Let's just get your talk. Let's just go. Let's go. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and Liam O'Donnell. Liam, how are you today? Uh I'm I'm a little under the weather. Uh got the whole family got COVID this week. So if you hear me coughing, uh that's why it's also why I did unfortunately not get to see Creed 3. 
Um, but we're we're all good. We're hanging in there, and it, it was really about a two day layover. I'm already I'm already back in the garage, uh, banging out reps to Rocky three and four soundtrack. So I'm back on track. Excited for today. Glad you're feeling better. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Glad you guys are are seem to be coming through this okay. And Mike, Mike, we never ask you how you're doing. You always you ask us how we're doing. You how, how are you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. We can we can move on. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> Damn <like> that. <laughs> Joined, joined by our, our, as Vice said, our illustrious guest. You guys know him as Times Square Kung Fu, as the Shogun Supreme, Frankie Balboa. Frankie, how are you today, man? Let's clap. Let's clap, man. I'm doing fantastic, brother. We are live and I'm hype, man. I'm hype. Yo, I got to give props to you guys for having me on your platform, man. Like, seriously, man. It's like an honor and a blessing, man, because... Being around people in this culture, bro, and keeping it 100 like you guys do and honest and passionate is a beautiful thing, man. I like where we're going with this genre and how we push it forward, you know? Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, for people listening, you know, I mentioned before, we had um, um Alex, uh, uh, Alex uh, one of his shot back on the show a while ago. And I was saying there's, a, uh, there's like a triumvirate, the three wise men of action action cinema going on today currently. You know, you got one perfect headshot, you got the genre film addict, and then we have, of course, you, Times Square Kung Fu, Y'all are like the the the, the this is like the, the, the Illuminati, the high table of action Twitter, of action cinema. Because you know it's not just about the uh, the fandom and the appreciation and the fashion excitement, which is also important. But y'all have actual deep functional knowledge of 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 cinema in, in all its forms and uh, all its expressions. And you in particular, you know, you you get you get down and dirty with the physical media and the digital media and, and all kinds of the uh, formats in ways that even professional journalists have no clue, have no no actual workable um, experience with. And so you are doing like a great, a, a real tangible service to everybody out there, to the film to the film community as a whole, by getting into the details of all these latest releases on the Blu-rays the, um, um, and all the, uh, all the formats. Because, you know, like people, you know, there's always this big push, but, you know, oh, physical media, we got to keep physical media alive to save, to save movies or whatever. Whatever the fuck they, what the they tell us, you know, as if we're going to save movies, not the executives fucking up. But it's like, you know, with that knowledge, though, it's like people really have no clue in the end of the day. It's like, it's just to buy shit. So it's really a great service to do in that, you know, you get into the into the weeds of actually, honest, frankly and honestly, assessing each of these releases, you know, the faults and flaws and what's great about them, or the, or the minute nuances between the different editions that came out. So, you know, just like, yeah, again, I want to thank you so much for being on the show finally. Um, you know, we really appreciate having your knowledge and your, and your excitement, your impact. And also, you know, just other, I, I don't know why after all this time, we live in the same fucking city, but I didn't ever see you yet. But I know one day we got to, soon, we got to come up, you know. This is this is a New York show for real today, boys. Uh, so we say some shit off the wall. Hit you up in December to see you on the Alamo, and you was like, "Yeah, when I had the Albanian chick, yo," and you was like, "Oh yeah, whatever, I'm going." Then you was busy and disappear. You know what I mean? Then I see you on, with your lady doing your thing. I'm like, "Ah oh, man, Vice is busy," and I thought I was busy, bro. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, yo, man, I, I was going to school, I was going to work, I was taking tests. Yeah. I was, you know, I was living, living my life, eating good steaks. I, I had shit going on, and I didn't even. This problem, I don't realize what's going on until like I, I finish it. Then I'm like, "Damn, I did all the shit." You know, I got a, I got a master's degree and a, a whole ass job. Yo, you got to give props for that. Not many people can say that, man. You know what I mean? Like, like the way you grinded and did everything, you got to give yourself props, man. Seriously, man. Congrats. Uh, on you know, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, but at the same time, you know, I still like, I'm still doing, you know, random New York shit. Like, like I said before, um, I got my 
Catalytic converter stolen on my car the other day. You know, I'm still tired about that shit. I'm like, you know, I got to go to insurance, got to go to the mechanic. It's like all this shit going on. I still got to get up. I'm still on, you know, doing home type of way. Like, so she's like, you know, it's like all kinds of shit going on. That I just, ah, this is this is the life. This is this is life. It's beautiful. You're live, man. That's a New York story, man. But going back to what you said about me doing my reviews and everything, it's because we're in that age, our demographic that watch these films. Yo, we don't have time. People got kids, man. Nephews and nieces, man. You're not buying that film three or four times because that's a nice packaging. I put it out there like there are options. Just like uh, um, most of the Scott Atkin films, they come out of iTunes first. Like um, Accident Man Holiday, people going crazy because it's only a DVD version. But guess what? There's a 4K version of iTunes. You get it for five bucks at times. Yeah. Actually, you know, yeah, I want to, we, we kind of spoke this offline, but maybe we can reiterate. Um, we didn't talk about Creed and the Rocky series, but we know, fuck that. We can talk about whatever we want. But yeah, you, you have a really special insight about the, how iTunes, the platform works and, the, and, and the, um, its offerings. Can you go into more detail about that? Like, you know, what, like people, they didn't, they, I don't think they know about what's actually on yeah. offer for them there. Yeah. The, the thing is, I always, you know, like I tell people, you like buying films on a digital storefront and fit and makes, physical purchasing easier. Because let's say you saw a movie years ago, you buy or rent it on iTunes, you see it again and you and you look at it, you'd be like, you know what? This looks really good. Do I really need a physical copy? Like I mentioned earlier before we went live of Trading Places or you know certain films, like certain films that you grew up with. Most likely you, you do not. And a lot of people say, oh, but Apple owns it. That is not true. Even your physical media, you don't own it. You use licensing, whatever jargon they use. There are methods out there to strip the DRM. And for me, I always emphasize this to people. If you have a big physical media library and you don't have a Blu-ray burner to back up your films, you're doing it wrong. You need a backup of a backup. Just like in life, you need life insurance, right? For your car, you need insurance. You need a backup. You know what I mean? Just like when you have your girlfriend, man, you have a backup chick in your country. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you always need a backup. You need a backup in life, man. You need a two of everything, man. I'm speaking from my own personal flow. Yeah, I don't have to follow this code. It might not work in your region, but in my region, you know, I got Marisol and I got Miss Lopez. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to do it like <laughs> Yeah, just, you know, people, people, for all you listeners going in, this episode is not for the pain of heart. We're doing some real shit today. So, you know, that, nah, take, keep, uh, be advised, keep, you know. <laughs> I'm keeping it PG. I'm just doing some wild analogies. But the point is, I always emphasize, like, don't be scared of digital purchasing. Don't be scared, man. Life is scary as it is, man. Walking on the street, something could happen to you, man. But the point is, I want people to spend the money wisely because times are tough for everybody, you know? And you don't need to starve to get a nice packaging from said label. Like, no. Also, wait for me to get it to make sure it looks good. <laughs> you know yeah, what exactly. I mean? Yeah, we were saying earlier also, like, you know, like the fact that there's so many, um, you have know, all these uh, boutique companies, like Arrow, Vinegar Syndrome, uh, 88 Films, you know, and they're, they're pushing all these, well, uh, pushing, I mean, they have all these, uh, um, new releases or releases of a hard to find or obscure or just you know cult classic stuff going on and you know even criterion to a degree um and it's in they they're still they put it out there on the streets for like mad money and it's like yeah it's great to have these available for, you know, finally or with a great new brand new packaging but it's like is it really worth it you know that's something you, you kind of you you kind of emphasize as well it's like how how worth it is you to get the 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 latest brand spanking new shiny object you just gonna like you know? Did you buy it to actually appreciate the art form, or did you buy it to show off on Twitter? Like that's that's, that's kind of what it is. We're in a formal culture thanks to social media. Like people believe they need the latest and hot thing to feel like within a circle. Me, like people usually get tight on me because I, you know, I call things out. Like I don't like that movie. If I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. Only because it has Jackie Chan on it doesn't mean I need to buy it. 
you know, like like I mentioned on my YouTube channel a few times is that my channel is a community run channel. And there's many people that help me out that send me like early copies or they let me lend me their copies or even buy copies for me. And I mentioned that in my videos. I'm not the type of person that be like, oh, like, you know, don't say anything. No, people actually look out for me. Even people like you, you had Alec here, one headshot. And he did one of the most amazing, amazing gestures that you guys are going to find out soon. Because I'm doing this Sally Mae project, trying to uncover this mixed Japanese actress that a lot of people don't know about. And people have been helping me doing research on this, and I uncover a lot of information. And I'm going to have a website on her soon. And it looks like this is a good traction. You know, like, like I, when I found this amazing actress out, I was like, how the hell this person is forgotten? I had to hit record collectors up. I had to look at old, you know, internet archive websites just to get a tad of information. And I found it. For me, that was satisfying, man. I'm still a crate digger at heart, man. Like, I look for, like, the deepest of the records, bro. And I, I was surprised, like, she has no information out there. So a few people gave me with some good leads. And hopefully we're getting close to uncover that third film in the trilogy. And then I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to upload it to Internet Archive. It needs to be preserved. Yeah. And just like I was saying before, like, you know, if people don't, if people don't realize now, they need to understand. Like, you do an actual legitimate film archival your historian just like you know alex and christian like this is real real research real uh <clears throat> real foraging you know like this is what's going on and, and a lot of film journalists you know out there today they might have the, the degrees and, and the acumen and, and, the, and the the clout so to speak but they're kind of you know honestly in some ways compared to you they don't know shit you know again it's a really, really appreciate you know, you know why that it's because they invaded the space and when something is popping and is hot they get involved they want to get involved. They don't know. They're not passionate like the way we are. You know what I'm saying? And the reason that you got people like me, Alec, and Christian is because our genre of films are not respected, bro. This genre of films created so many types of sound designs that a lot of you know big you know blockbuster Hollywood films use the camera, the camera angles, the cinematography. You know what I'm saying? Like all that stuff, they pioneered but never got love. Never got any love. And that's the thing that you know me and Alec and Christian are doing. We we keeping it alive, man. Even the music, man, like all them jazzy funk records that the Japanese cinema did in the 70s. But when Tarantino used it, everybody's sucking it off. Look what happened with Lady Snowblood. You can't even buy that vinyl record. It's like $500. Thank you, Tarantino. You got all these, all these fans, supposed fans, buying it. I don't like saying the word fake, but you know what I mean? Like the general consensus, like, oh, this sounds cool. I want it. Compared to somebody who's real passionate about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like if Tarantino doesn't touch it, nobody knows. It. And that's sad. Which, you know, I respect Tarantino for putting shining light on Asian cinema. But it's just sad that it takes one person to say, this is it. And it blows up. It shouldn't be like that. You know what I mean? Same thing. If I guarantee you, if if Tarantino put Scott Atkins and Michael B. Jordan in the film, their movie stars all of a sudden huge. Beyond yeah. than they are right now. And that's crazy. Yeah. And talk about yeah, Michael so B. Huh? Oh, no, yeah, no go ahead. Yeah. You make, you no, but talk yeah, about yeah. Michael Jordan, because tonight I'm watching Creed 3. You guys saw it already, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me, me and Mike saw it, yeah. And um, actually, you know, yeah, yeah, you know what? I mean, well, let me see. How, how should we do this, Mike? Because uh, we, we, we kind of want to, should we go into it with like with um, minimal spoilers? Or what, what, what's, what's the plan? I don't care. I'm there for the, I'm there for the ass whooping in the music, bro. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to talk about it without spoilers. Um, So I, I think, that what we do is we do our usual, we can kind of talk about it spoiler free for a few minutes and then we'll give spoiler warnings. Um, I mean, here's the reality. 
it's a Creed movie. We are not exactly talking about Shyamalan level twisty turny plot plot here, right? Like like the formula for Rocky and Creed movies is pretty well established here. Uh, so I think we can kind of avoid some spoilers while still because the important thing I think is going to be to talk about what Michael Bre- what Michael B. Jordan brings to this movie that's very different from any other movie in the series. And I think and that primarily is in the action. And I think we can talk about it because again, uh I know there's spoiler freaks out there, but like are we really is it really a spoiler to say that uh uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors have a big final fight at the end of this movie and that they punch each other. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's really a spoiler. So I think we can talk about the filmmaking techniques in a way that, that, you know, I, if you are hell bent, if you are one of those people that's like, I don't watch the trailers. I don't want to know anything about it. I didn't even know Jonathan Majors was in it. How dare you ruin the movie for me? Uh, then just come back next week. <laughs> You know, that, that just brings up the one of the best jokes in uh, Norm MacDonald's Dirty Work, where uh, Chevy Chase uh, is like, we've all lost a lot of money on things, Mr. T. And Norm MacDonald's like, wait, you bet against Rocky and Rocky 3 and Chevy Chase deadpans. Hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend. All right. <laughs> I put my T-shirt on, bro. So there you go. Ah, nice, nice. <laughs> well, actually, wait, you know, before we, maybe, um, well, I know that uh, I know Liam. You had uh, watched the Rocky series, the Rocky Creed saga uh, up to this point. So let me see. Maybe like, well, I guess we yeah, I, like- I could I could pop off some thoughts real quick because I did. Um, uh, you know, last week Vice. Uh, you know, everyone tunes into this show to hear the uh, the straight Irish guys' uh, opinions on on race relations in the Rocky movie. But I did say like, you know, in the first one, I was actually surprised at how well some of the like. The, the there there's like there's a there's an ugliness in uh, that is like the original idea of this but it's all inspired by this this thing with with Muhammad Ali right and i i was like oh i, I actually loved how uh, apollo held up from watching the first one and then the second one too i mean someone posted the clip of him reading his hate mail in rocky 2 and it's so fucking great like i just love apollo i love carl weathers he is like the best looking natural boxer i think of anybody in these movies the way he moves in the ring is so silky smooth he looks like a man like out of time you know it's kind of funny and it's it, it is insane like how well Michael B. Jordan does look like his son, but he also looks like the modern version with like gym muscles. Whereas like Carl Weathers just looks like he's just like etched out of stone. Like that's just what that dude just like, you know, got up in the morning and looked like that. Like he's just kind of like a God. Yeah. And Um, and I was saying it's kind of unfortunate sad that, you know, I think Carl Weathers is one of those should be up there in the pantheon. Those great 80s, 90s action heroes, even though he only had like a, a handful of films to his credits. Uh, or uh, as a main star or as a supporting role but yeah like like the just the physique the the charisma the presence that was as unique as anything as schwarzenegger or stallone like he absolutely has that himself but yeah he's yeah and, and he's in their best movies i mean uh, predator is is up there for me obviously like top three schwarzenegger movies and it's part of weathers kind of uh counterbalancing him he he's so good in, in those roles but having just finished rocky four and doing one two three four in the past week like he's he definitely stands out as like oh yeah this guy put him over right but then what I, I i was saying how rocky three has somehow become underrated and so in my mind it's sort of the fast five of the series 
because it's it just jumps like it is such a different thing the montage right at the beginning is fucking hype as hell you just get so ready but it I, I and when I was watching it I was like oh man are they just like picking on Mike Tyson but this is being a dumb modern person and not realizing no this shit came out before Mike Tyson was on the scene they kind of like predicted Mike Tyson in a strange way. So they made it a little less racist feeling in some ways. But a lot about Clubber Lang is like kind of saying the, the quiet part loud from Apollo. And I know you always talk about, you know, respectability politics versus like keeping it real. There is this great moment where Apollo comes in in Rocky Three and he comes over to Clubber's and he's just glad handing everybody. And uh, and Clubber's like, get the fuck away from me. He's like, come on, Creed, let's go now. And like, it's just, <laughs> oh shit. Like, it really does set Clubber up as, uh, as, as this other thing. And the two of them have this great intensity. And I feel like having not seen Creed Three, like that is the inspiration. It's like the junkyard dog versus this like, you know, clean, uh, silky smooth, uh, you know, uh, politician promoter, uh, you know, Creed versus uh, Clubber Lang. Like, let, how do we do that for Creed three? And you yeah, can kind that, of feel it when you're rewatching it. Yeah, that's the, yeah, it's, it's actually yeah, that's definitely part of it. Um, as we talk about yeah, and then that the, the kind of the uh, Hollywood uh, presentable black man versus exactly one, you know versus, exactly. Versus so the, I caught myself as being like, oh, I really like Apollo, and then I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I'm just like falling for it, like a, like the, the dumb white liberal. Um, but you know, then the the, the scene where um, it's it, it's incredible. Look, Clubber Clubber is incredible, and it's fucking insane that Mr. T, I guess, was found from being like a, a bouncer competition. This is his first movie role. He's a fucking like lightning in a bottle. He's so great. I just think the only thing that the movie didn't do is give him like any sort of redeemable qualities like they do to Drago at the end of his fight. You know, I fight for me. They never give him like any internal monologue. He's just like the only like pure villain in the Rocky series. Um, so it's like it feels like it's missing a scene there that they normally hood and he like literally kills poor Mickey. So, so like, I mean, uh, it's another, another weird, like I, I could have sworn Mickey was Irish from the whole, uh, you know, movies. And then all of a sudden bang, they're at his funeral and, and Sly's fucking, you know, giving him a Jewish funeral. And it's like this reveal, <laughs> that it's Mickey Goldmill or whatever. It's so out of nowhere. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm ranting about Rocky three, but I would just say that, yeah, I thought that was like, the fast five, obviously, you know, hey woman, uh, you know, you never had a real man. Why don't you bring your pretty little self over to my apartment? It's like that is now going right into the 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 sort of uh the the quiet parts loud of the Rocky series. So I guess the long story short of the race angle of these is that like it it seems so fitting that it becomes Creed and that the Creed movies become like the launching point of of these great African-American, not just actors, but directors for, you know, th that becomes the legacy of this because it is kind of built on like every like white dude in the, the Northeast thinks he could probably go a few rounds with Muhammad Ali and show him a thing or two. So it's like, it, it feels like they've, they've kind of like, you know, paid the penance for what that uh, initial sort of dark underbelly of it all is. Um, it's a little, it's a shame that, you know, Stallone and, and Michael B, then the, the, there seems to be some discord with obviously the, the producers, cause you would love to, to see it kind of continue, but there's still time, you know, so we'll see. Yeah. But actually, that was no, my takeaway from Rocky three. Yeah. Actually, 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 that's a good point to go into the movies themselves because, uh, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, there's this quiet 
racism well not racism you know this the racial tension of it all tension and yeah yeah and and rocky as a character he's uh how do i say it i want to i want to say race neutral but insofar as like he doesn't he doesn't think about that because like, he's just, he's so dumb he's so he's so like straightforward as a human being that the race stuff doesn't normally really enter his mind and so even you know and you know he's a philly dude to like it's you know diverse city as they call it but like He's just part of that fixture. So, like, even throughout the series, from you know, full, uh, five uh, Balboa, he, and the Creed movies themselves, like, people just he, hey, that's rock, that's rock, that's that's Balboa. Like, he's not, and he accepts the city as a whole. Like, he didn't, he didn't see race, but no, he's like, he's like a, he's just part of this of this community, and he, that's how he, that's how he presents himself, and that's how the community accepts him. So it's like, so, it, but at the same time, though, like the the very impetus of the film is that boxing is or had to become a black sport so right. the whole the whole premise of course like, you know rocky's underdog because he's a, a little white guy you know uh, and so like so that that's actually an important thing for creed is that um you know it, it, at the at the core or at the the through line of all the films that creed very as you mentioned before he's a muhammad ali of this fictional universe like he is the greatest boxer of all time to, to in, in his movies world and so that's always at the at the heart of it. Even with Balboa, like even with the legend of Rocky Balboa, he he's really honestly he's like a a footnote or a or a side part to this legacy of of the greatest boxer of all time. Oh, oh yeah, I mean in three, like Weather still looks way better than than Stallone. There's like there's no way that Stallone's beating him in a foot race. There's no way that he's beating him in the fights. Like Weather's looks like like he's just such an alpha over him, but. The, the other thing as a uh, a white guy from the Northeast that three taps into is like, okay, you've beaten the black guys, but now all the black guys are like, you're one of us. It's like such a great yeah. fantasy. Like you get, I mean, you get invited into the LA gym and they're like, you're, you're down, man. You're cool. And he's in the middle of them like, yeah, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, how I was saying. Like in, in the creed, like, you know, everybody, he's, he's, everybody's, he's, uh, Donis calls him his uncle, but Rocky's everybody's uncle. He's a, he's a white white uncle, you know. He's like that. He he has that kind of that cultural cloud, you could say. Um, but yeah, the, I want to kind of get into the creed the creed part of it all because that's really important. That again, this these are really these ancillary stories to again the greatest boxer of all time in this in this world. So then, when Creed comes up, it's this it's, it's very important that you have here's this new legacy that's or this new addition to this legacy and how he's gonna build his own build his own empire, but also with the blessing i guess of uh, of, of apollo creed's one true friend the one you know the one guy who see, saw through all of his bullshit all of his glitzy glamour and was friends with the man apollo rather than the icon apollo um so yeah and so and just i guess just briefly you know that for people who haven't seen the creed movies yet you know adonis was uh the uh what you, the bastard son i guess of, of apollo creed um so that's why like they kind of worked that into the the story of the uh, rocky creed saga um but he, he was abandoned uh, in foster care and so forth um, Apollo's wife found him and uh, took him in um, a- after, of course, Apollo's death in part four. Um, and so, like, and so Adonis cre- creates whole, Adonis Johnson, as he's originally f- first known, his whole tension, his whole inner turmoil is, uh, does he accept the legacy of Creed or does he deserve the legacy of Creed? Or is he, as, as of course, uh, this spoiler for the first movie, uh, is like, a, or is he a mistake? You know, one of the, one of the hardest, the hardest most crying ass, you know, lines in, in movie cinema make grown men cry. I'm not a mistake, Rock. Oh my God, I'm thinking about dog crying. But you know, like that, that was that's, that's a huge, that was that's a huge, the huge core of, of that movie is like, you know, no, it's like everybody belongs here. Like Rocky, you know, Rocky belongs here. You, Adonis, you belong here. You know, like that's the big thing. 
And so, you know, from that, Cree 2, they build on that. And now, now Adonis is building a legacy that he's he's both earned through fire and through and through love, like you know, from his mom, from his mom or his adopted mom, from Rocky, from his wife Bianca, Tessa Thompson. Like he's he's earned this this right, this led to this legacy. And then, of course, in two, the legacy, the demons of the past come back. You know, uh, here in the case of Drago, his his father's his father's killer, and he has to fight his son. So there's that 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 mix of, and again, Baboa is a key port in this in this uh, ongoing Shakespearean revenge saga. So they have they, they those two legacies once again uh, intertwine, and of course, uh, again, spoiler for a, a movie that an old Rocky movie, Creed defeats uh, 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 Drago's son Victor, uh, and again, same thing. It's, you mentioned you know Michael Jordan. He's not a small dude, but like he's very uh, he's relatively slight. He's very lean, so it's a little bit he, he, as he's fighting these dudes. He's like, is this dude really can, can beat up? The big nasty, uh, you know, the guy, uh, uh Florian is, is a real boxer, he's a real boxer who plays Victor Drago, and the guy's just fucking huge. Like, the the the, the almost the comparison between uh, uh, the original Drago and Rocky is almost it doesn't, like, it oh. still doesn't. I mean, Stallone is so much smaller than Lundgren in Rocky Four, it's insane. <laughs> like, they, they even just to him to get inside his jab is just it would never happen. Like, the, that match would end in, in one round. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah. So that, that's 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 created. And um, you know, here now we have part part three. So we'll, we'll touch on the spoiler free for a minute here. And here we have uh now Creed three has just come out this weekend. Um, continues the story of, of uh, Adonis Creed and his family and his boxing legacy of, of the Creed legacy. And at this point in the movie, uh, you know, it's been several years after the second film, and this film treats it as such that that timeline where he's now retired from boxing after twenty six and one his record. So he's now become, as you mentioned before, this kind of a politicking promoter you know but in, in a kind of a, a positive sense he's like he's uh he understands um the plight of young boxers so he, he has he takes over or he teams up with duke with the gym and their whole thing is they're promoting newer a newer generation of boxers you know so it's it's, it's a positive kind of a, a play on on this on the promoter businessman aspect of it he, he's like you know just as creed had has earned that legacy he's now earning the respect of of the boxing world do promote any generation, and, you know. And in, in, in this movie, they have a uh, the current world champ, heavy champion in 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 their in their uh, in their camp. Um, but then, of course, uh, the, the movie the Creed Three uh, introduces some more backstory to Adonis himself in his past as a kid. And uh, here we have uh, this is where uh, Dame uh, Anderson comes in, played by Jonathan Majors, uh, his old friend uh, from when he was a kid, who was actually himself a, a, a high level pro- boxing prospect. He was a Golden Gloves winner. Um, like one of the, like the most touted uh, uh, amateur boxers of his time, but then sadly he gets uh, locked up uh, in a in an altercation uh, involving Adonis that the movie kind of holds back a bit on, but they they kind of reveal later on. So I, I won't get into it just yet. Um, so essentially, what we have here is the tension becomes that uh, Damien is is back out of jail and still is obsessed with his quest to be the world champion, just as he was twenty years ago when he was when he was a young boxer, and he sees he sees a Adonis's success as his own, you know, he's like, you, you, you live in my life, as he says in the trailer, and you know, it's, it's a, and Adonis in, in his game, he's very much feels a deep guilt about what happened when they were children. That he, that he does kind of, he kind of thinks that as well. He's thinking that, you know, in the back of his mind, all the success, even with the Creed legacy that he has earned, he's like, yeah, you know what, I, I fucked this, I fucked up this guy's life, and I, you know, he's going to come and tone, come get his atonement, and in, uh, in, the, in the form of a beatdown. And so that's what the, the movie builds to. 
Yeah. So yeah. Um. So yeah. So overall, just my overall thoughts. You know. Um. This is this to me is like the least good Creed Creed movie. But it's like saying that this is like the least good blowjob. It's like it's a great it's a great series. You know. It's like you're gonna get what you came for. But what's specifically what's here is a uh, one of course is that uh Michael B. Jordan is now the director, kind of taking the helm on this. And we mentioned before the absence of Stallone slash Rocky. Uh, and there's some like back uh, backstage politics behind it that I'm not even to now I don't have the details on, um, but just more or less that um, even with that known, Jordan makes this movie. So he makes Creed, he makes Adonis Creed his own true character with his all of his with his flourishes and his um, and his more just as importantly his, his thematics of it. We mentioned the the blackness of boxing and the blackness throughout the Rocky saga. saga. This is probably like the the blackest. Uh, movie of the Rocky Creed saga, um, and you know it's it's a very interesting snapshot of the African American psyche in 2023. Like uh, with all the, just looking back, you know, all the uh, machismo uh, and the which, what it means to be a man that people have kind of inculcated from the Rocky series themselves. Like you know, I got to be tough, I got to be strong, I got to get get up when I get knocked down. Which is these are positive messages, but like. Like just people in general always kind of there's always gonna be a point where those positive messages messages are skewed, and I think it's a lot of what's in our in our real life society has happened a lot. You know, like people are kind of they over overreaching that that essence. You know, you just gotta be big and strong and be tough and not talk and not show your feelings and you know and you get you don't fuck bitches get money like that kind of stuff, and <laughs> you know and and Creed and Creed Jordan presents Creed as a a balance of that. He has a his his lovely wife and daughter, the positive female energy around him, and but also he's like a he's an upstanding man of the community. He has a good balance between, uh, or at least to be to the beginning of his emotions and uh and his love and also you know being a badass boxer, which, which he which he has earned earned that right. But then when Dame comes in, it's it's it throws it all out of balance, all out of balance, and he kind of clams up and because no, I'm I'm a, I'm a real man. I can I can deal with this. I can deal with my past trauma, and he can't. He, he just can't. Like we can't as men can't do this shit by ourselves. We need a support system to do that. And then the movie is very much, even though, yes, it's another boxing movie, it's very much about this internal struggle as as Black men particularly, but men in general, to overcome that that wall of hiding your feelings, hiding emotions, and, or deal, and dealing with your shit. Too many men just don't deal with their shit properly, and it leads to so much chaos and conflict. And the movie is very much about, you know, th th there's a way forward to this. And, and then something that's sadly, I think even now, I, I, haven't, seen, I haven't seen the... um. Box office numbers. I'm sure it's going to hit big, but um, I think that message about it huge, might... huge. It's a, it's the biggest, the biggest opening, and it's it's a hundred million worldwide. It's it's amazing. oh shit already. Oh yeah. nice, nice, nice. I mean worldwide, fifty in the states, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, still, yeah, yeah. Mike's got yeah, it. I mean, Mike's got it. Some racist asshole tweeted a couple weeks ago that this movie was dead in the water. It was going to die, and then it's the highest. It's the highest opening weekend for any Rocky movie. Fifty-eight million dollars. It's crossed a hundred million already. Uh, wow. They predicting 45 to 50 initially and so the fact is is it, it actually pulled higher numbers which means it did better on sunday than they were expecting which is a great sign for legs um the audience reviews on rotten tomatoes i don't know what the cinema score is but audience reviews on rotten tomatoes are 96 percent a minus um, cinema score i saw cinema score. so i mean this thing is going to be uh, there's no reason that this isn't going to play for a long time, uh, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's my kind of overview. You know, it, 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 this, no, Jordan being a first time director, this, I think there was definitely some, you know, like a narrative plot 
structural stuff that still feels wonky that you know you would expect from a first time director. But the fact that he's crammed so much of this thematic stuff into it about you know this this this, this black male uh, psyche is really impressive. It's really bold, honestly. It's like you know, and again, it's like I think that somebody mentioned in my Twitter that, that that um it's almost a good thing that Stallone isn't here for this because he he probably wouldn't wouldn't get it quote unquote. And again, it's back to my point about you know Rocky slash Stallone as this kind of race neutral character, but this is very much a black movie, so it's like a little bit like. I think that tension would have been too much, honestly. So it's good that it, didn't, it lets Jordan and also Jonathan Majors and and uh, Thompson and Bianca breathe. They let that that story breathe and and have its own fruition. Even again, once again, uh, the mighty Felicia Rashad, you know, the, the 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 black queen, the mom of us all. She's in it again, doing great work, adding to this backstory of it all. So yeah, the, the blackness is very palpable in this, but also like um, I think that the message about it is as it's it's a positive one and one that we need to hear. But I think even now, with all this great success in the box office, some people will be resistant to that message. Unfortunately, you know, just again, this nature of you know machismo and you know, manliness, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to to crack to crack through. But you know, he's he's trying. I think it was a good, good job here. Yo, you got overall, me, you got me hyped to see it tonight, man. Because the way you're breaking it down, I'm glad that um, Michael B. Jordan took over the project, and the fact that he, I don't know, like like you said, the drama behind the scenes, but I'm glad it happened. Not many people would step up to Stallone. To be like, yo, I have a vision. This will, will work. And I'm glad he took over. Because, like I said, you know how it is in this in this industry. That if you rub somebody the wrong way, you get blackballed ASAP. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he had that much people around him shows what type of person and character, you know, Michael B. Jordan is. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy that he brought a different perspective to the franchise. And that's what yeah. I expected. Because, you know, Creed 2, to me, felt was like on brand what Stallone would do for a sequel. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree. Like, yeah, here comes Drago's kid. Here comes this. It's like so cliche and expected. So I, I'm a little lower on Creed 2 than I think Twitter is too. Like I, I still love it. I, I say there's no bad Creed or Rocky movie. But when people like put it way above Rocky 2 or 3, I'm like, no, no way. Like, I, no, I, yeah. I appreciate that the, these films are main because a lot of these, you know, one thing like, you know, a lot of us are we're into action films. And one of the things that action films emphasize is like honor, brotherhood. You know, train hard. Don't worry about anything in your way. If you work hard, you get what you want. Even in defeat, you still won yourself. You know what I mean? So I appreciate that these films are still being made in this era. But with Creed 2, I felt like, I'm like, yup, this is so on brand for Stallone. Yup, let's go all cliche with mayonnaise on top, cheddar cheese, <laughs> everything. I'm going to be so predictable, and you're going to love it. But it's not. It's I, okay. But I I, I want to get Mike's thoughts. But it, the the thing about Creed two too is that it's not as ridiculous because they're obviously raining them in. But I mean, I'm ready to. I'm ready to. I got like ten minutes of wild speculation of the behind the scenes from Creed one, two, and three. <laughs> why Stallone's not in? Because I'm an I'm an Instagram stalker of Stallone, and I've worked with uh, you know Sean Albertson, his editor. So I, I've 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 gleaned a lot over the years of what I think exactly happened uh, that I can share. But uh, I. I do think that the one of the issues of Creed 2 is that like it's obviously he's coming in, but it also doesn't do Salone's like kind of ridiculousness. Like he obviously wanted to fight Drago in the hospital hallway. And oh, yeah. that was a big fight behind the scenes that uh that that Michael and 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 it's and, and Capel and and I think even uh Kugler as a producer were like, no, 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 that's 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 going into the ridiculousness of like three and four, but it's kind of like, hey, you 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 bring Stallone, you got to get a dash of ridiculousness. You know what I mean? Oh, that's what makes him great. Imagine that fight 
not only be in the hospital, but somehow the freaking sprinkler system will go off because the fight will be so on fire. And he's there in slow motion, dripping, you know, rain. And you got a montage of the past. It would have been, oh, my God. Oh, my God. If they just did a montage there of all the movies. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Him in the hospital. You see all the Filipino nurses in the corner scare. Like, oh. The old 70-year-old yeah. <laughs> men punching each other, and it's making women pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, man, it would have been the greatest Viagra commercial ever, that sequence, and that would have happened. <laughs> everybody would have been horny, man. My mom, my dad, everybody would have been like, oh, no, we got pregnant by Stallone. Look at all this <laughs> testosterone flowing. Look at all this HGH. All the growling from Stallone and the hugging with Lundgren. Oh, my <laughs> God. Man. Magic Mike, watch out, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, you know, what? let's get into the creature a little more. So now, I guess now here, Mike. Um, oh well, you got any more thoughts before we get into spoiler territory? Before we move on to that, really quick. Um, so have you guys seen Rocky versus Drago? No, I, that that's next on my list. Um, so it's fascinating to me as a movie because um, it's Stallone trying to be more serious in terms of trying it more like a Creed prequel. Um, but the reality is it's still rocky four like because uh, i know when i watched it I, and i love rocky four but when i first watched it i'm like man if he cuts out like some of the montages if he cuts out no easy way out and hearts on fire i'm gonna be pissed oh he sure does not they're still in there i mean you know and, and the hearts on fire montage is by far and away the most ridiculous montage and i love it and i love john cafferty but it's the most ridiculous month so it's a very weird disjointed movie because the whole first half is very somber and very clearly like set up to make it feel more like Creed 2. But then the whole last half is still basically Rocky IV. Um, the, the, there's some changes at the end that uh, are not, are that are interesting that I, I won't really get into, but it's a very, very mixed. It feels like there's two sort of emotions that Stallone's battling in that, in that recut. Um, which makes sense to me why in Creed 2, you know, Capel and Kugler and Jordan would would have to like kind of pull him back because he's still Stallone. He's always going to have those instincts. I mean, if he'd really wanted to do and I'm glad he didn't because I love Rocky Four for what it is. But if he'd really wanted to do a true like this is a recut, a much more serious version, he would have gotten rid of the montages. Right. Literally all he does. The, the biggest change is he gets rid of the robot. I mean, the, the rest of the movie is 90% the same. Uh, he just cuts out Polly's robot. So and the robot, like when it came on last night, I, I honestly felt high. I felt like someone had pumped nitrous into my living room and I was fucking laughing my ass off because it's just you're like, this was a fucking Oscar winner. Like, like, like three movies ago, this was the best picture winner. And now there's a fucking Polly's talking about fucking the robot and getting her wires tied. It's just like, I love it, though. I love it. Yeah. So. I don't think I'm gonna dig the the recut just because it's like it's a time capsule. I love the the comfort food of of that period, you know. You'll like it, uh, but I think you'll be like me and kind of be like it's interesting as a curio, but I don't ever see 
myself going back to it. There is one scene that he adds into it at Apollo's funeral. He adds a, a Rocky gives a speech at Apollo's funeral that's not in the original cut. That's fucking terrific. Really? Because his speech in the original cut is a little lacking. It's not as good as the mix stuff. It, it's not it's not as emotional. Absolutely tremendous. Um, and, and so wow. some fan editor somewhere needs to put that scene back in the regular Rocky Four. Um, this is kind of what I think with both of them is between the two of them is kind of the platonic ideal of Rocky four, but both movies are kind of flawed, but both versions are flawed on their own. Um, they're just flawed in different ways. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wanted to just to jump on my, my three is fast five. I think four is like fast six and seven combined. And it kind of gives you everything that you want by the end. That's why five is such kind of a come down even though it's a necessary thing. And it also led me to believe that, uh, you know, uh, Diesel, our, our, our Stallone, um, you know, uh, you know, archivist, I think he's probably going to make like Dominic Toretto in three years and do like his gritty back to the streets of LA trilogy, because why the fuck not? These things keep paying the bills, right? <laughs> I can tell, I can I can even like picture the the poster now. It's like it's like black and white, and it just says Toretto in like yes. yeah. Toretto is coming. Toretto <laughs> is coming. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay, so let, let, let's go back into the creed for now. So here, I guess um we'll do the uh, spoilers, but again with the fact that you know it's a creed movie, it's a rock movie. There's not much to spoil. But what's what's to here to know here is that um the actual the specifics of what Jordan brings to the table, because again, first of all, like. With with Stallone out of the picture, it's very much there's almost almost no callbacks to any of the previous films, Rocky or or, 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 or Rocky films. It's mostly it really is a Creed centric, Creed focused story. Um, and one of the so actually here um, talk about the uh, cultural thing a little bit, how it's this blackness. I just this this thing is a very specific. Michael B. Jordan is a known like you know uh, anime sci- comic book geek. Even though he like looks like a the body of a god or of a model, he's still like you know like the the most the most beautiful uh, weeb in the world. Michael B. Jordan, as I've started calling him all week, he's <laughs> Michael Weeb Jordan to me now. <laughs> yeah, so part of it is um you know he, he's not that much um older younger than us. He's at thirty six in real life, but he's definitely I think he's uh that what do you call it the uh late stage millennial slash uh, early Gen Z or he's a, he's a nineties baby. He's nineties baby, born eighty seven, grew up in nineties. So he ha- he has the actual um. There's actually a lot to this. Well, I, I don't want to go too deep into this, but like uh, anime in general is actually a big thing. Even though it's made fun of by, even even now, American society at large, even, even though it's like got so much popular, it's actually, do its do that time, do the 90s and come upwards, it, there's a very strong uh, cultural link between anime and minorities here in America, you know, black African-Americans and a lot of, like, uh, one of the one of those famous uh, kind of memes or socially things is like a Piccolo from the Dragon Ball Z series. He's a he's a green alien from from out, out of space, but he's like and he's like a he's a villain in the first uh, series and becomes allies throughout throughout the uh, main series. The kind of thing is that they, everybody says Piccolo is black, and it's Hell, like yeah, he is. He got a do rag, bro. Come on now, and the way his <laughs> hand, he's always like this hard body, bro. Come on, man. Piccolo's black. <laughs> hey, and see thing. Yeah, and this, I think this is, I'm not sure if you guys, Liam and Mike, or the white listeners or whatever, like, I don't know if it's, you can grasp this fully because, like, there's so many, as, as Frankie just put, beautifully put, so many cultural signifiers to his presence that, like, it, it reads black to us immediately. And I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's, like, uh, easy to see for the people, 
but like you know like is even even like the most recent movie and he's like he's he's barbecuing on a grill and he's he's a grill master because you know no way we we'll cook, cook no food he's like that's his blackness personified like but like so and, and all, all, all kinds of series all, all kinds of uh animes uh, you know even now like uh there's one demon hunter like you or, or my hero academia um like you know people like Megan the stallion like it's a very deep cultural thing and like even though it's like a even though a lot of these anime series are very purely japanese like they're still like we can't help but read the blackness off of them read like you know even it, it, we had uh somebody mentioned before like there's a guy on youtube young young black kid and his crew they do like uh my hero my hero academia like fights like in, in the park but they add like a, but they're, they're, they're legit martial artists but they add effects after effects of the stuff and it looks fucking great but it's, it's it's again it's very black there's hip-hop soundtrack in the back you know like and like, uh, like guys like Michael Phillips uh, or, or you know on you, on YouTube and stuff and Twitter like they have a deep knowledge of the anime but it's still but it's but it's expressed in a very black way in a very American way that it's kind of hard to grasp and so my point being that Michael B Jordan is among these people and he and he uses that that cultural touchstone of knowledge in the fucking Creed movie um like is uh people have said uh it, again I don't know if I'm pretty I don't know you probably know this like a uh, the Naruto and Sasuke dynamic. Which again, like, sounds like some weird shit, but like people who who young most young people they get it. Th this whole idea of the uh, rivalry between two friend enemies who came up together, and you know have gone through like the ill, Ill the illest shit, you know, life and death stuff together, and that they're still their their spiritual, I don't know, they're, they're they're spiritual brothers, even though like they fight into the death in combat several times. That's part of the, the you know the, the honor, the 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 camaraderie, the brotherhood thing going on. But, in, you know, being, being from New York. You know, that whole dynamic that he put in the film resonates with a lot of us because, you know, we had situations like that being from different projects where you were cool with somebody over there and something went left and it was something out of your control. But, you know, things happen. And when you guys finally fight it out, guess what happens, man? You squash the beef. So seeing stuff like that, we see it in anime, we see it in martial arts films. That's something that why we gravitated to us because that's something we see every day. And you learn from those freaking films. Yeah, exactly. We all do. So seeing that, that he put that in the film, I'm like, yo, I could relate. I've been through a situation like that. You know what I mean? With somebody that I hold dear to me, but something went left. We fought it like men. No guns, no knives. We duke it out. It's not about who gets knocked out, whatever. It's like, yo, we good? All right, we good. All right, let's go smoke and drink a 40. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, let's, yeah. and let's knock on, you know, 3H, Julissa's home. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's you still haven't your power number. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, it, it's... it's there's a lot of that in this movie that like the again like it's specifically also very um LA blackness like I I haven't never been to LA so it's hard for me to describe it like uh the way uh the way Dame Anderson's uh the major character um when they such stuff like let's start it we we will say start but they'll say start like what like very distinct little like cultural little uh uh linguistic stuff there this is the same way that this the same way that Rocky is a Philly movie this is a very LA movie very Hollywood movie too so again it's little little touches that if you're not familiar with it you might not pick up on but it's, it's all in there it's all in the fucking movie there's a lot of a lot going on and so what i want to so that there's that that um brotherhood in the martial anime dynamic going on in this movie but also there's parts where uh visually this is really impressive stuff going on where um I, I, again this is this is my favorite the biggest spoiler the final fight it gets um metaphysical like it gets like they well, fight in the spiritual realm almost a little bit. Let's hold, let's hold off on that until we go full spoilers. Let's not get okay. let's not get into that much detail at this point. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll, there's, I don't it, know what I think of the movie yet. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, okay. So uh, point being that um, 
there's actual like tangible um visual things going on directly pulled from anime everything from the costuming to again this fight um and a, a little visual touches like uh and, and and part of it and as i saw in an interview just recently black b jordan has is not shy about this he's, he's very clear like you know stuff like uh Hajime no Ippo, you know, a legendary classic uh, boxing anime. Uh, Naruto's in this stuff, you know, like the he. There's, there's very obvious visual signifiers of this anime um, uh, influence in the movie, which is really surprising. Again, but like it's it's surprising, but yet it makes total sense because you know again. In this one, what's that? Who did the cinematography in this one? Oh wait, I, I gotta check. I gotta check. I, I will say, um, I know that the one thing I did notice that um the for the score. Uh, Ludwig Goranson, who was you know with Kugler's homeboy for a while, did the Creed uh, movie, soundtrack movies. He's not here, and um, and that's actually kind of funny because uh, Ludwig Goranson himself is a uh, he's also kind of he's a uh, he's down with the homies too. You know he 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 uh, right. he has a very a very distinct jazz kind of R and B sensibility to his music, even though it's like a this like Swedish white boy whatever whatever. But he's he's definitely with the culture. But that that's, that stuff is uh, absent here. Um. But I think it, again, it makes sense. It's, it's definitely more of a, um, a millennial, like a uh, LA, uh, you know, uh, Dre and, and uh, aftermath slash uh, death row vibe to the music, along with you know some newer artists as well. Oh, so you tell me that's like some good West Coast funk type bass, bassy type music? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's oh, definitely. I am with it, man. My mustache is curling, B. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm with it. Because I used to be out there. I used to be in East LA, bro. So I definitely know the vibes out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Wait. Well, yeah. 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 I'm looking up that to the cinematographer. While y'all go ahead, but yeah. I mean, yeah that, that did uh, or Morgan though that did uh, Creed two. I was yeah. a cinematographer on a couple episodes of Game of Thrones. He, he's basically which will make which will make Liam cringe. He's basically Alan Taylor's guy. Um. But uh, since since I know Liam's thoughts on Alan Taylor. Well, I don't blame the DP because he probably had to direct the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm saying, like, even, even, even knowing that Jordan is this is his first movie and well, his first director, like, it's very clearly his own. You can very much, very much tell it's like not a, not a shadow directed kind of movie. It's like his, it's definitely his vision. So even as wonky as it is for me, you know, again, again with the kind of the structural problems and maybe even maybe a little bit too much manic stuff going on, I'm really I, I can't help but like respect him for like one pulling this off. And again, as Frankie said, kind of being. Defiant in a way of the Stallone um, franchise, but while still respecting it, but definitely like going. No, I'm going to make a Creed story now, fully Creed, and he does that shit really, really well. But you yeah, respect, like, yeah, you have to respect it, man. You know what I mean? I'm glad that that happened because not many people will stand up to Stallone. Not many. And the fact that he said, "Look, I embodied this character. I did a story that needs to be told that's missing," because like you mentioned earlier with Rocky. Rocky, the opt he didn't see beyond his optics. He just wanted to fight and not seeing what's going on around him. And with this one, with Creed, he's aware of what's going on. And you know what? Let's tell this story. And he did. Yeah. And I'm glad it happened. Regardless of if people didn't find the film to be good, but it looks like people love it, I'm glad it's, it, it was made. And it's a different perspective on things. And I'm, I'm hyped. Watching it tonight, man. You know, I'm sneaking that bottle in the theater. You know what I mean? Put it into my $8 <laughs> soda cup. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Wait, do you sneak uh, whiskey in and and dump dump whiskey into your Coke? Hell yeah! All right, I love it. Um, so wait, let me just give you my little conspiracy theories of of, of uh, Rocky and why he's not in it. What happened? Because look, it's incredible. It's a coup that these guys got Stallone to do Creed. I think everybody forgets that. 
Like that is fucking insane. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of younger um, uh, people in action Twitter don't realize how famously like difficult and controlling Stallone is within Hollywood circles. Like the guy was, the guy had the juice. Okay. He won fucking best picture on his script. He then writes and directs the, the next uh, five sequels. Okay. To, uh, oh, wait, no, five. Actually, the original director comes back. My bad. But he, he does the next three and then he does Rocky Balboa. Um, so this guy, it, it's his character. It's his legacy. It's his life is this character. And then you got these two young black dudes who come off of uh, their first Sundance movie and they come and they pitch him Creed and he actually agrees with it. So that's insane. It was a total coup that this all happened. But then like even behind the scenes, everyone was like bracing for the moment Stallone's going to take Creed over and recut it and do his own thing. And I kind of have a little bit of intel on that on the inside that is like, you know, the, the editors of Rocky Balboa were like, are, are we going to are we going to get called in to do the sly cut? And the news started trickling in that like, oh, wait, this movie's actually really good. Uh, no, you guys, you guys aren't going to come in. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, so that that was lightning in a bottle in itself. So then Rocky is vaulted back up. Stallone, you know, he's got these 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 tides to his career. All of a sudden, he's back. He's got an Oscar nomination. Many, including myself, feel that he deserved to win. Uh, it's his best career performance to me in Creed. So what does he do? He kind of seizes uh, more control in Creed too. And if you're Michael B. Jordan, you go from being like, oh my God, so honored, so grateful in, in, in being in this position of like, wow, this has vaulted me to a new place in part one to now all of a sudden part two, there's so many characters like in his plot is kind of the least interesting part of it in some ways. You know what I mean? Like, cause you've got Drago and his son and all this past from Rocky four that like you're leaning forward on that scene. And then you got like, I, I do like uh, Michael B. Jordan's story in it, but you can kind of see where he's getting kind of crowded out and they're bringing in all this other stuff. And so if you're looking at the um the 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 George Lucas history at Rhymes of Vacation, you know, Mickey dies in Rocky 3, it kind of makes sense that you would either have Rocky die at the end of Creed 2 or that he's going to die in 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 Creed 3. Now, right when Creed 2 comes out and it's like already in the theater. So in that one I heard there was a lot more behind the scenes fights and I heard that um uh, Stallone did have some editors come in and tweak some stuff with the montages and stuff. So there was a little bit more of a behind the scenes. I don't know. That might not be 100% correct, but obviously there was a lot more tension, I think, behind the scenes because it's not Kugler directing it. Um, it was probably, and Stallone is kind of like making a power grab. So, so, so again, he posts when Creed 2 is still in the theater that, that Rocky will never die on screen. Uh, and it's just kind of like it was a weird thing at the time. And you're like, why would you say that right now? Like uh, you've killed everybody off in this series for your own emotional impact. Like you fridge Apollo, you kill Mickey, you kill fucking Adrian in between movies. Like how, like it's a total natural progression of this story that Rocky should die in Creed 3, in my opinion. So it, it is kind of an interesting thing. But it's like I told you guys the story about um, Rambo 5. In the script, I heard on the day he's supposed to close his eyes and die at the end of the movie. And they come out, they say action, and he just doesn't close his eyes. <laughs> and everyone's like, uh, 
says here you're, you're supposed to die and he's just like yeah and he just does it so like wow. the, the, of um i forgot which blade movie where you know um wesley snipes refused to open his eyes and yes. then you see Yes. I was trying to his eyes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because they, they can't fuck him up because he is still the Golden Goose. And who knows? This guy, he, he, he's Clint Eastwood. Like, he could be fucking making these movies for another 20 years. Who knows? He, he's, he's literally, like, he, he is one of the most, like, unique fucking, I mean, Mike and, and Scott give such great, you know, perspective of his career and how much of an outlier he is because of the writing and the directing. And, like, you know, like watching Rocky two, three, four, like it is fucking high level shit. And he pushed editing into places that it hadn't really been. He kind of like, he definitely evolved the montage. You know, you, 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 you definitely, you cannot talk about the history of cinema in the montage without talking about Sylvester Stallone, both as a performer and as the director. So anyway, that's my whole thing uh, for, for my conspiracy theories to that, in that he was saying that there's darkness in Creed three, I think it was obvious that that it either at there was some point where they wanted him to pass on and that would make sense as it's now going to become fully, uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan's franchise and Michael B. directing it makes perfect sense when you think about Stallone, you know, rising up and directing himself. So it's unfortunate that some of those things didn't happen, but hey, they're still Creed for. <laughs> well, and <clears throat> if you followed the gossip blogs during the 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 making of creed 2 let's just say that for all of rocky's um sort of uh as vice said rocky doesn't see race uh stallone there have been there's definitely been some murmurs that have followed stallone around his career about how he works with uh <sighs> certain colors um you know i mean there was the the one that i think it was even in variety where when they brought Stephen Capel on, Stallone kept asking, you know how much work this is going to be? This is going to be so much work, you know? And it's one of those things where it's kind of like, you can see, you can just feel, to me in Creed 2, you can just feel that tension. You can feel that is that is a movie with uh, two masters and there's a real tension in it because I did not know that about the editors in Creed 2, Leah, but that actually makes sense because I thought the fights in Creed 2 were... Uh, way less impactful and way more overcut which has been stallone's like sort of forte for the last 20 years he's gotten real edit heavy uh you know you look at the expendables movies especially the expendables one how how much that is uh cut to shit so that actually makes quite a bit of sense to me um but anyway uh so here's my thoughts on creed 3 um fuck i love this movie I, 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 so I will say the first part of it, I was watching it going, I think this is good, but not great. It's very good, but it's not great. And then the montage hits and then we go to the last fight. And the third act of this movie is so fucking good that it retroactively made the rest of the movie better uh, because it is such a cathartic payoff. And on top of that, the shit that Jordan and uh, Clayton Barber, uh, who's the stunt coordinator, the great Clayton Barber, I should say, uh, is somebody we definitely need to get on this show at some point. So Liam, make that happen um, because you're the one that brings us all our guests. Um, we, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but I I thought what they do makes it just so much better to the point that I have not been able to stop thinking about this movie for going on 24 hours now. 
And uh, I think it's definitely superior to Creed 2. It's not Creed 1, but it honestly, I'm going to need to let it sit with me for a little while, watch it a few more times, see how it ages with time. But this is like top tier Rocky. And and frankly, the last fight is undisputed three good. I think the last fight might mm-hmm. happen. Uh, in terms of in terms of cinematic final fights, um, some before we and, and and I'll talk a little bit about why once we go full spoilers. But some of the other things that I think are absolutely terrific in this is uh, Vice. I don't remember if you brought her up, but Mila Davis Kent as Amara Creed, uh, Creed and Creed and uh, and Tessa Thompson's daughter um, as Bianca's daughter. Uh, she is actually a deaf actress. Uh, and so she the, she speaks in ASL through the entire movie. It's subtitled. She and she and uh, and Donnie, uh, and they have their own little sort of. They, she does ASL, but they also have their own sort of little their own language that they talk in when it comes to fighting and stuff like that, because she wants to be a boxer. Um, And she's absolutely terrific. And I was really happy to see that they, that they cast an actual deaf actress uh, for this, because a lot of times that's, you know, not something you necessarily see. And so I thought that was great. Tessa Thompson brings it once again, uh, I think is the emotional core of this series that, that, that holds it together. And, and after, fucking just absolutely hating what they did to her character in love and thunder uh, in Thor love and thunder. It was so nice to see her back, you know, on her a game in this being given a character to work with being given a character that, that doesn't just replicate Adrian um, in terms of like, you know, sort of being along. Cause, cause I think we can all agree. It's, it's pretty reasonable to say that as the Rocky series goes on, Adrian becomes less and less of an important character. By the time you get to four, Stallone really doesn't know what to do with her other than she yells at Rocky. And then she shows up to give him motivation for the hearts on fire montage. Um, Liam, you look like you wanted to say something about. I just defend Adrian because I think like, you know, the people call her the, the wet blanket of the series, but like literally people are fucking dying in the ring. Of course, she doesn't want her husband to do it. And the fucking dumbass does it for no money in Russia. Like it's divorceable. It's a divorceable fucking maneuver. Like I'm totally on her side. I just think, I just think Stallone doesn't really know what to do with her. I don't, certainly not Talia Shire's fault or, or performance. And, and he knows what to do with her in earlier movies, but yeah, test- Rocky three, her on the beach. Fantastic scene. Yeah. You want money? Yeah. Like, what do you want me to say? I was good. I was good. You want to break me down? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, oh, man. So much more to do. And there's actually a great, there's a great scene. This isn't really much of a spoiler. They, they're having a fight. And Donnie says, um, you know, uh, I don't have time for for a therapy session right now. And she just the way she delivers. Oh, I'm sorry. What do you have time for? Because I've been trying to talk to you for days now. And it's just like, damn, I'm married. I've been on the receiving end of that conversation. And it hurt. <laughs> like the way- Oh, my God. For real. I, that, I've i almost had that exact com- conversation myself. I call, I call it conversation because, like, you know, she's a, she always wins. That, that, that's just the nature of, you know. The, the married life, but also like, also, well, we know like when we're dealing with these really serious issues, even now, even, even being like men of, of, uh, of insight and, and uh, self introspection, shit is hard, man. It's, it's hard to admit to say, you know, we, 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 we talk about this, you know, in the shows, you know, our, our real life issues. And um, yeah, like 
to have these well in this case these strong black women you know like it's, it's, a, it's a cliche but it's also like very real because she she expresses her own issues she's dealing with that you don't they stay they do show it in the movies but like they kind of because it's not the Bianca story you don't get the real details but they they have a scene where they kind of get into that how no she's even though she seems like she's um always well whenever your wife is like whenever my wife is telling me she i need to be hearing she i need to be doing it feels like she's badgering me but that's just like the nature of like you know hearing shit you don't want to hear you, you know you, you know you're supposed to do it she's absolutely 100 correct she's trying to save your fucking life trying to save your sorry ass life but you don't want to hear this shit because that's you know this is how how men are sometimes and yeah that that plays off so beautifully here it's like Motherfucker, I'm trying to help you. I, I know who you. I know what you've been through. I've been, I've been there with you doing this shit, but you don't want to hear me still. Like, wake the fuck up and like, yeah, that that stuff plays so real, as real as real as as any punch that that's thrown in any of these movies. It's like that dynamic they have is like, oh god, stop. <laughs> I, I mean, again, advice: Has you. your wife ever threatened to like take the take the poll to Twitter? She'd be like, "Let's just see what everyone else thinks." I'm always like, "No, no, no!" Because as soon as she says something like that, I'm like, "I'm clearly in the wrong, and I am the bad person, and there's no one else that would ever agree with my position on this." And so it's like it, it's like a threat that like you want. Let's see what everyone else thinks. You're like, "No, I never took that far because again, I already know she's right. I already know I'm fucking up." She's right, and, and you know, and, and this is part of what I was talking about. Like, um, I think that people are gonna, some people, I don't, how do I say this? I don't want to fucking. There's too many of these like fucking um manosphere fucking <coughs> dudes on podcasts, as I say, as a guy on a podcast. I'm like, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of negative shit. Like, you know, here's how to be your job as a real man. You gotta get a what, what do they say? The high value female. All that bullshit. Oh my god! Don't even Yo. give that. Don't even that. That is just. I hate that narrative going. You know, going in because it's telling people not to be accountable for their actions. Like it's valid. And when women call you out or your partner, um, they're looking out for your well-being. They're looking out for you. Yeah, we're stubborn. We're very driven individuals, but we need a good woman to balance us out, to put us focused. And we know we're in the wrong, but we're just stubborn, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's how we are. I want to watch this episode of Voltron. Let me be. I'll do the dishes later. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, yo, stop. No, no. She you got know? you real again. <laughs> you know, so you be, and then afterwards, you be like, yo, I'm sorry, whatever. You first call the sister to make sure, like, look, my bad, what I got to do. Well, you know what you got to do. You got to take her to a favorite restaurant that you always forget. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you do that, then you own up to it. And that's the thing. Mm. People don't want to own up to it, man. So the whole Adrian thing, I'm like, yo, you about to get your brains destroyed, bro. Come on. <laughs> like, come on. You couldn't speak four movies ago. <laughs> You're going to Russia to fight the guy who has got 1,200 uh, punching power, 1,200-pound punching power? And juicing up? Like, yeah, you said it right there. Okay, I don't mind you fighting, but you going to Russia? You couldn't talk? And then you show his stupid face, the typical Stallone face? I must do it. Like, that. like dude, you're almost dying on screen right now, You bro. can't win! <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna bring it back to Mike. You know, Mike saying like that dynamic, like you know, that's really you know, uh, Bianca is not Adrian. She's her own independent, exactly. powerful, strong woman. And but also like that, that her and as they show they show in the movie, her and the Donis, they have their own kind of mini empire in their own different realms. You know, she's a in the story. Bianca's a musician, musician, and so they they kind of they they develop that further in this movie. And you know, she's saying you know, yeah, we have this great life. We have this great empire. We did it together. But like. This shit is we. I know it's hard too, baby. She's like, you know, I had sacrifices too. I know you. Did, I know you did, but like, we still here together. But we gotta like 
make sure we have to keep this thing alive and not let it fall to petty petty grievances or, or petty bullshit. And that's kind of what what Dame is represents. He's like he's that old past, the old demons that that, that the old nigga from the, from that that he knew back then who was bringing you down. And you let him go, and now he's back and, it, and it's tearing you up inside because you y'all are boys. But it, you know you have that again that that unbreakable bond. But it's like this is not good for us. It's not good for you. Not good for me. Not good for your family. Not good for. We, so that's that, that's where that conflict comes in the movie. It's like you know how do we get over this? Like how do you how do we get through this this old bond and keep all we have alive that's worth fighting for? But like you gotta do it the right way. You gotta do it the smart way. You gotta do it like with, with love and with, with compassion, not not with hatred, not with fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Bianca, there. Yeah, she's so critical to, to this point. And my, and my point being, like, you know, like people gonna watch this and they be like, "Oh, this is some bullshit. This is some women feminist shit." It's like, nah, that's not what it's about. It's about it's we gotta, you know, yeah, you got you gotta be accountable. You know, uh, to be responsible. Listen to listen to people who trying to fucking help you, trying to like help you live, help you help you thrive. But again, like you know, a lot of these guys they listen to shit now because because you know they you know the whole the whole. I, it's hard for me to say because I'm married and I'm, I'm a fucking like washed up suburban dad, uh, suburban uncle now. But I, I see, I see the cats out there on the streets like they hurting because like they don't have a good relationship. With, they don't have, um, you know, I, I, with, with women or the family, anything, even with each other. You know, so like they, they, they like yes, lost almost. Like trying to like, how do I get a good relationship? How do I, you know, be straight, be be good, be a a respectable man? And they're getting all the wrong messages from all the wrong people. You know, like the fucking the, the guy, the Tate guy, you know, all these fucking. Appear like all these guys like tell them this bullshit. And they're just grifters. They just they just grifting, just feeding them shit they want that they think they want to hear and getting money and, and attention off of that shit. Meanwhile, the guys who still need the people who need help not getting help. They're not getting the right kind of help. And, then, like and so I I tell, think that, yeah, like I tell these young guys, man, just be honest with yourself. When you're honest with yourself, that person will appreciate who you are as a whole. They will they will love your pros and your cons. It's all balance. Stop trying to impress other people. Impress yourself. And that's yeah. all it is. You got to keep it simple, man, you know? And that's what yeah. the people don't understand. And I like that this film, like you mentioned, it shows that dynamic. Like, yo, keep it true, man. You got a union going on. Forget the outside bullshit. Just, you know, do you. And that's yeah. that, man. Because that whole conflict, you know what's funny when you mentioned that? It, I, it almost sounded like Michael B. Jordan was in a barbershop getting in shape up and homeboy walked in and be like, ah, this motherfucker here. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it starts. Like uh, he, he said, it's on the trailer. Uh, he 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 doesn't recognize Damon. You know, Damon's um on his car, leaning on his car like that. You know, and you know, if you see my on your car leaning on it, you know they was some shit. So it's like, oh shit, who is it? <laughs> but you know, like, <laughs> I usually don't watch trailers, man. I'm a type of person that like to embrace the whole imagery at first watch. When I see a trailer for a film, I'm like, nah. I usually post trailers on Twitter, but I don't see it. I just you know, download it. I, I skim through it. I'm like, I right, hear you guys go. Here's a sneak peek and stuff. Boom. But yeah. I don't like trailers, bro. I'm, I'm, I like, you know, it's funny. I only like watching trailers in the movie theater. There's something about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, like in the theater is just, you see the crowd hypeness. See, I still keep it old school. I, hence my name, Times Square Kung Fu. I need to watch my stuff in 40 seconds with the fuckery. Midnight showing. <laughs> Everybody came out of Dallas BBQ. We all lit. Let's go. I need I need to be, I'm a type of motherfucker that be screaming in the theater when a fight happens. I don't talk yeah. over them, but I do crack jokes and I'm talking shit when somebody's getting the ass whooped. I just need it. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Tangent. This this is the actual, the real theatrical experience things we're talking about. Because again, all these all these fucking dweebs on film Twitter, they be like, oh, I want to get a pristine. Theater experience, you know, it's, my theater is at my church. Bitch, 
in in black church, they sing and they scream, and they and they crack. Like that's that's the experience too. You can't. We're you running can't, up and down the aisle in the church, man. Oh my god, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, she could walk now. Bless, bless Maria. Oh, is she walking? Thanks, Father Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't know, man. So in the theater is like that. Like I tell people, everybody missed out on the greatest euphoric experience in the theater, and that was 300. Seeing 300 and midnight in Times Square snowing with a bottle of ghost lager. And when he kicked the dude down the well, I had this random Puerto Rican kid run down the yes. aisle and hit the speaker, bro. We were like, let's fucking go. And this white girl was like, yo, I give you two Amstel lights for that pizza. And I'm like, you know what? You could have it because you have Amstel light in the hood. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Incredible. Incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, what were we saying? Oh, yeah, Creed Three. Uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike. Uh, <laughs> so first and foremost, let me let me go full. We are now going to go full spoilers. I don't have too much left to say on the movie, but I can't talk about it without going full spoilers. So if you haven't seen Creed Three and you care about spoilers, uh, you know we're not going to really talk about anything else this episode. So you can just kind of peace out here, uh, and you know you all are already following Frankie. You know you know where to find him, but uh, or you can try and skip forward a bit. But uh, Liam, I wanted to you talking about Stallone saying there's darkness. There's more in this than I think just Rocky potentially dying. This is a movie about trauma and some of the characters go to some pretty gnarly places that you don't typically see in a Rocky movie. Um, again, I don't really want to spoil it, but, but you know, there's Rocky movies typically don't tackle things like child abuse. And, uh, and so, you know, there is some definite stuff here <clears throat> for the characters that I just don't think Stallone necessarily would have ever done. Not in a Rocky movie. Rambo, for sure. You know, those movies, for sure, he'd have gone to those places, but not in a Rocky movie. Um, which isn't to say that the movie is morose and depressing. Everything everything is, is handled lightly as far as that goes. And ultimately, uh, you know, Vice and I will talk a little bit about the last fight, but, but really, Jordan's love of shonen anime comes through in the entire movie because the entire thing is about the power of love uh, conquering, you know, you, you, you punch people out of love, not out of hatred, not out of fear. Uh, and, and that's exactly what's going on here is basically, uh, you know, Donnie, Donnie punches his way to a happy ending for everybody. Um, and so that, that to me is, is it was so obvious when I was watching it and it was made even more obvious during the last fight when he's literally replicating fucking anime scenes <laughs> in the last fight. I mean, literally like straight up shots from Dragon Ball Z and Naruto. Um, but there's also, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but I want you guys to, Liam, especially, I'm going to spoil this because I want you to pay attention when you watch it to the filmmaking technique. When they're having their last fight, and this is where Vice was going when he was saying it gets metaphysical. Majors punches Donnie and punches him into the ropes. And all of a sudden, a jail cell drops down and the crowd disappears. And they have about three to four minutes of a fight where they're like fighting on this like metaphysical plane. <laughs> That is nothing I've ever seen in a Rocky movie before. And it was so impactful and so well done. And again, the choreography by Clayton Barber and his team was so goddamn good. The, the fights in this are so clean, so much cleaner than really any, I think almost any other Rocky movie. But they're different because they use speed ramping and they use, 
you know, they, they look much more like an Isaac Florentine fight than what you've ever. Oh, you got me hyped. Um, and, uh, but I just, I thought the last fight in terms of, you know, I always talk about good fights, great fights also tell a narrative within that fight scene and narrative that is being told in this fight is it, my jaw was on the goddamn floor. Like the end of this movie, I just fucking, I didn't even know what to do with myself when the movie was over. So yeah, vice your, your thoughts on kind of that. Uh, yeah. I'm not. As we're talking about, it, I'm kind of getting choked up a little bit too, because like, just like Frankie was saying, you know, like this is a real shit that happens. Like, sometimes, hey, sometimes motherfucker got scrapped, and but that's out of love, it's not out of hatred. And like, that's as the movie goes on, as as you'll see, it's like you know they're talking all this shit. That this really powerful beef is coming to surface, you know, like and, it, and it's it's real for both of them. Donnie with his, his guilt, and and Dane with his like rage and against the world and against you know what he thinks is belongs to him. And then, but then at this fight, when the actual conclusion, as, you, as you're going to see, is like it, it is kind of hard to describe because, like, uh, it, it is well, even I might had a, that's one you could see, but like, um, it goes dark a little bit, and like they're fighting, they're not fighting, they're not fighting each other, they're fighting the pain they both shared, and it's like that's like the only way these kind of these men like this know how to get through it, but like it's 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 uh, it's good, it, it, it's it's painful and it's and it's hard to watch and it's hard to like if you were the characters it's hard to do but they these men the way they are need to do that this is how they're going to get through it and and in a way it's like they do them together i heard i've heard a lot of like boxers they'll say um like or even fight combat sports in general like they have the strongest kinship with their opponent even though yes they're trying to kill each other it's like only those two men in that ring know what each other has gone through to get to that to get to that point you know, like, like that's that's the shared experience of fighters that no one else in the world can have except other fighters. So even then, when they're there in the in the, in the cage and in, in the ring and in the in the gladiator fucking um um coliseum going at each other's throats, there's still a weird sense of maybe maybe not love but like a brotherhood that we both went through so much to get to right here. So let's give each other our, our, our all. And so and in the movie that that's expressed as a bit too, but also it's like we have to fight this demon. This demon lives inside of us, and it's like we, 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 this is the only way we can get it out. This is the only way we can conquer it. So it, right. it, you see that a lot in like you know MMA events where they go battle for war, and whoever wins, it doesn't matter. You see the opponent go give the other person a hug. They get it, and then eventually, sometimes you see them become training partners after that. There's like yeah. a friendship behind that. You know it. You know the struggle. You know the starvation you have to go through to make weight and everything everything going on in real life because you understand your opponent is going through the same thing. And the fact y'all got to handle that in the ring and it's all said and done, like, damn, B, we, we, we made it. We did it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's even funny to say, cause like, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'm just adding more to that. Um, it's just that I'm glad that you, you guys are mentioning that, that this is added in the film, something that for me, I'm mind blowing. Like I'm excited to watch it tonight because you don't see that in other films, especially in fighting films. Yeah, and even again, I, I, we're doing spoilers, but I want to still avoid some spoilers. Like, and this is in the trailer too. So, like, I know you haven't seen the trailer, but like, um, that that they definitely do the thing of a, a past opponent coming a training partner because again, that opponent they they those two know each other so intimately. They like they like in a way that again, it's like it sounds strange when you say it out loud, but it's real in a way that another woman or another partner wouldn't know that person. Like, you know, what did uh what did I see in the Matrix? You don't know somebody until you fight them. It's like that. And so, like when that, when this partner comes to help him train, it's like we went through this. We went through this hell together already. 
I gotta go through hell one, one more time. Come help me, please. And the guy gets it. He, like, yeah, I, I know, I know what you're feeling. And they, in the movie, they they give him a um, they, they give him a reason also. Like, a, there's like some like plot stuff. Like I don't want to spoil. I, it. I know what you're talking about, but that also it's perfect. I mean, that's a great echo from Rocky Three. Yeah, so it yeah, totally yeah, fits. Exactly. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I said, <laughs> Oh, sorry, if you guys, I, I do. I, I thought um, one segment that would be fun is, uh, you know, friend, friend, enemy of the show, Brandon Streisnick is like literally all of our really good friends, but we like to call him an enemy. He he ranked the uh, the the villains of, of the whole Rocky franchise. And I thought that could be a fun little uh, topic for, for what you guys have. Uh, and I'll just his number one is Apollo Creed. Number two, Drago. Number three is Jonathan Major, just Dame Anderson. Number four, Clubber Lang. Number five, Victor Drago. Number six, Mason Dixon. Number seven, Ricky Conlon. And number eight, Tommy Gunn. Hmm. I forgot Tommy Gunn was one of these movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> knock him down? How about you try knocking me down? No, I yeah. love Oh my God, Tommy Gunn, bro! What a savage of a man that was! Jesus Christ, man! Hey, rest in peace, Tommy Gunn. Man, like, yo, oh my God! I'm, now I gotta watch these all over again, bro. I forgot Tommy Gunn was in a movie. I actually, oh. I actually think Brandon's ranking is pretty, pretty impeccable. The only thing I might do, I might move Mason Dixon above uh, Victor Drago because I think, I think. Ivan Drago is actually the more compelling presence in Creed 2. Um, and I actually think Mason Dixon's a pretty good uh, Rocky villain in Balboa. But um, other than that, and that's a might. That just kind of depends. Um, but I, I, I'm I'm neck and neck with Clubber and Drago just because Drago, it's a purely physical performance. But Clubber kind of does both. I mean, Mr. T is in fucking insane shape. His fucking shoulder chassis. Is just like I don't want any part of it. But he's he also like yeah, but he's he's rapping too. He's just like he's rapid fire, just fucking coming at everybody. Like he's fucking, he's on site with every single human being in his presence. It's amazing. Robert gives us my favorite Polly line in the entire in the entire series, which is uh, you know when during the last fight when Apollo's like he's getting killed and Polly goes no he's getting mad <laughs> and. And then, yeah, you know, like that last fight, because I, I, I do love Rocky three, the end fight when when Rocky's like, is that all you got, Chip? Come on. Like when he's like talking shit. Fight. You ain't so bad. You ain't so bad. The only times he actually like talks shit during a fight. And I, I fucking love that. But it just it does like this is the dumb. I'm not CinemaSins guy, but like Rocky two, they're like, you can no longer see out of your eye. We're going to switch your entire stance to the other side. Does he block? No, he never has a hand up next to his face, which he just like it's the beginning of every round. Rocky just walks right into the fighter and presents his face to get fucking malleted. And you're like, uh, but it it makes it cinematic. So I'm not I I, and I especially just love like, you you know, we talked about digital and and the, the aesthetic of the film in those first four movies, like the way those fights look on film on those cameras in the sweat. In the grain, I mean, the the I, I have a um, a Blu-ray that's like the Undisputed Collection, and I thought the transfer for three actually looked better than four. Four was very grainy, but I fucking loved it. I loved the grain. You know, it, it felt like it was like I was watching, you know, a print that uh, you know had been running all summer. <laughs> you know, and it still it still had that sweat. So I loved it. That is yeah. one last thing. Sorry, Frankie. Uh, go ahead. 
now, like what he mentioned about the grain and these films, especially like a movie like Rocky, it just adds to the grittiest nature to it. It just amplifies the picture. You know what I'm saying? Like there's something to it with, you know, like like he mentioned with the with the makeup, the sweat. And when you have like a gritty grain to it, it's like how Stallone can that get? It just looks like, yep, he's a grimy guy. He don't give a fuck. He's walking forward. What blocking? I'm I'm Barboa, baby. I don't care. I'm gonna get well, he does block in the first one, though. The first one actually yeah. is a slightly more realistic fight. But two, as soon as if you watch one and then two, two like the fucking sound mix, because they always replay the end fight at the beginning of the next one. And yeah. the, when the sound mix of two is so much better than one, like you actually can hear the ADR and the fights and it's, it, it you know, it, it, it does, it does have that amazing kind of advancement of technology as you go through. Yeah. But the Rocky movies, and this is why one of my favorite boxers remind me of Rocky movies, the way you mentioned it, he starts blocking at first, but then after that, I don't care. That's like a Toro Gotti. And the first two rounds, Rest his soul, he's blocking. After that, I don't care. I'm gonna go to war, man. And that's that's why I love a tour of God. I mean, he was a real life Rocky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Let me let me talk to that ranking a little bit, and uh, because it's actually you got a great point about the real world boxers. Yeah, I, I kind of pretty much I'm pretty much um agree with that Randy's ranking. And part of it, uh, Jonathan Majors is so high because again, he he he's one. He's Jonathan Majors. He's like a great one of the greatest actors we have right now. Um, but also you know his his drive, his obsession makes sense for the story. Um, and that I, I could understand why Clubber would be higher because there's no like pretense as it were with Clubber. He's just, he's just mad. He's just like, I'm, I want this, I want this money. I want this belt. So like, there's no like, uh, you're bum. You're ducking me. Yeah. Yeah. There's no external like pressure towards it. Like, whereas with Jenny Majors, uh, Dame Anderson, it, with this whole, like, I guess it's because the double-edged sword, you have this like past trauma that they share, but also it's like that he's not, he's not, he's not a pure villain. So I think that might throw some people off, you know, like he's a. But that, he has, that's actually keeping in the movies. That's why I think Clubber is kind of the outlier. He's the only pure villain that they have. Yeah, yeah. Well, so but also I think part of it is that um, uh, Ricky Conlon and uh, um Mason Dixon, it kind of reflects the real world boxing to me. I haven't watched boxing fully well, but like we we, we had this golden silver age, you know, like you know Gotti and and and. and Holyfield, Tyson, uh, Lennox Lewis, even you know he had kind of a glass job, but he had, like he is a great technical proficiency guy, Lennox Lewis. And then you had you know uh, um, Mayweather's of course, and and um, De La Hoya's like this golden silver age era, you know, it's just from the seventies to the late nineties. Like you had these like one of once in a lifetime boxing talent, and the thing nowadays is that like you know boxing as we kind of see like in general has lost its its, its uh, luster. And the thing is like even I think that. The actual technical level of boxers in general is, is, is high because they've learned they've learned all those skills that the greats have shown them, but yet nobody around really now nowadays has that exact that special sauce that makes them one of the greatest. They're, they're like they're all good, but like nobody's like great like that anymore. Even though even though again like they're technically they have the knowledge of the past to build on, but you know like we, who who's like who's the biggest fight in box now? Tyson Fury, the big white guy. Like he's he's kind of a He's not a joke. He's a real fighter, but it's like it's almost like a circus now. I mean, it always was a circus, but like now it's like now you get this fucking who's that? That YouTube guy fighting motherfuckers on on Jake Paul, yeah. Jake Paul, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a joke now, and like I I like that, uh, you know, Mason Dixon and and um Colin, like they represent that because they're, they're both, they you know the champions. They're both great fighters, but like well, they're both very good fighters, but they can't they are unable to be considered great because they had they they're living in the shadow of Apollo and Rocky and Drago like they can't possibly achieve that so even even the the, the story about Bobo like uh 
Mason Dickens, like he, he's the best in the world. Nobody can beat him. But he's like, he had he never tasted the real fire. Like even as a champion, he's never like going through like a crucible. And that's why he goes to fight Rocky, because like Rocky's like this, even though he's a he's a broken god, but there's nobody around in, in the boxing room who would do that anymore to be that that indomitable icon that if you defeat them, that makes you an icon. That's not they don't exist, exist no more. Like, even I mean, you know what? I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna ride for Tommy Gunn now that you say it because I actually kind of hate Tommy Gunn more in the end of Rocky Five, yeah. and I want to see him get fucking knocked out more than I ever really have any emotional response to Mason Dixon or Ricky Conlon, and which I think are both really good for their movies and they they work perfectly. But like I really there is that moment where you're like Tommy Gunn's got to go down. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think I might. Again, I'm I'm like the defender of five uh, on action Twitter, so I'll, I'll put Tommy Gunn at the at the sixth spot. I got your back on that too, bro, because I forgot he was in there. I'm like, oh my god, this guy was so grimy in that movie. <laughs> back on that, so I think he was grimy on- in real life, which is uh, kind of what the problem was. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. But now, nah, but adding to what um, Vice was saying about boxing, the problem with today's boxing is nobody wants to fight. That's the problem. Before you had like big, nobody wants to take a loss. Everybody wants to be perfect. You know what I mean? And that's the problem. Like you don't get big fights anymore. Like the, what's the next one right now? We got Javante, Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia. We haven't had a fight of that magnitude in eons. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Mayweather all the years ducking Pacquiao yeah. until he finally got him when he was like not on his on his prime. It, it, so, it didn't mean anything. It was like it was just like a it was a, again, yeah. it was a circus. It wasn't a real fight. Yeah. And it's unfortunate what boxing is today, man. Like, you know, it took me years to finally get a good fight with Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia. Well, let's see what happens. It says it's finalized, but, you know, with boxing, it's more dramatic than wrestling. <laughs> Who knows yeah. what happened? We need we need, we need, need Don King back, bro. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> he's the biggest McMahon of boxing to promote fights again, yo. How does it take for today, man? Shit. <laughs> you know well, what I'm hey, saying? Look, I know it's messed yeah. up. I know it's grimy, but you know what, man? We're in a dark world, man. You know what? At least... Don King was honest and being grimy. Give me some fights. <laughs> well, now, now we have uh, the the bald one at UFC doing all the grime, all, all the all the all the cheap shots and all the fucking bad decisions. Um, well, oh, I, I, I kind of want to go on a tangent here. I, I don't know if we're, well, we kind of said we want to say about Rock, uh, Creed three. Uh, Mike, uh, I don't know if you had any last thoughts on it. Um, no, other than I loved it. It's it's gonna be tough. I I, I fully expect it's it's gonna be in my top five of the year, no question. I just can't imagine. Mm. But, but it might actually uh, it's very much the same feeling I had when I watched Ambulance last year where I'm like, something's going to have to come real hard to knock this out of the number one spot. And nothing did last year. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the rest of the year looks like. But uh, but yeah, yeah and, and, by yeah, the I'll, way, I'll, 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 recommendation I'll, on Ambulance. Thanks for the recommendation, guys, because you guys told me to watch it. And that was a blast. I saw it twice. When I got off iTunes twice that weekend, one myself, and then I had my homies watch it. And we were like, yo, this movie is freaking good. And it has Michael Bay sauceness. Ooh, yeah, I need those. <laughs> I need it. I need to see my beautiful Latina lips in, in HD 4K slow motion. Oh Isaac Gonzalez, that's it. She's one of the finest. Oh my God. I need one movie with her to just be in. Oh, anyway. Hey, hey, hey. Anyway, <laughs> yes. Hey, last thing I'll say about Creed 3 is um, I, I, I said a minute ago, like, um, to me, it's the least good Creed, but like I'm sure there's so much going on inside of it that I'm sure that over time 
my evaluation is going to change. It's like a, it's, you know, just, 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 you know, I don't watch movies uh, again often, but I'm definitely going to see this one again because, like, again, there's just so much going on. That I'm sure that um over time and again, as I, if uh, when I eventually watch the Rocky series as a whole, the saga as a whole again, I'm I'm sure it's going to go up. There's just so much going on here that it, it, you, just, you can't. You can't just like take it at his face and be like ah that was I right. just you gotta like really really stew. Sounds very it. special. It sounds like a very special film that it will get better over time because yeah. this film, the way you guys described it, is similar to when I saw um not comparing both films before people go crazy. How dare you compare Creed three to this film? But it sounds like Sean Strake Redemption. Like for me, over the years, it got better and better. Yeah, yeah. so much going on in that movie, and um, it wasn't until what I was like twenty eight, I fully grasped the film as a whole. And I've been watching that film since I was a kid on TNT Network when it showed really? up randomly on Sunday. I'm like, oh, this is the middle of the movie. Then two weeks later, oh, I got the start. So I got to, you know, pitch it <laughs> together and stuff, man. But yeah. yeah, man, I'm very excited to see Creed 3 tonight, man. I, You know, I got my bottle, you know, Casamigos, you know what I mean? <laughs> got the lady yeah. with me. So yeah, man, you know, I'm going to have yeah, some man. saucy time. Yeah, and Michael man, B. Jordan is going to help me tonight, you know what I mean? Ooh, you know what I'm saying? Yo, him and John. They just his fucking the, the 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 peck the the torso fucking. Oh yeah, like, he's gonna oh. help me tonight with my lady friend. You know what I'm saying? He's <laughs> gonna help me tonight. Yes, I'll, I'll be your creed tonight, lady. Oh my god! <laughs> you know. Yeah. So let, let me. Uh, I want to transition real quick. Um, it's so like this weekend. Also, I, I have said this on Twitter. I, I was I was bullshitting, but I was being for real. Like you know, this weekend we had the creed um opening. We also just speaking of uh, boxing, combat sports, we had a uh, UFC 25 happen just last night. The return of the 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 quote, the great John Jones, you know, one of the most dominant um, light heavyweights that UFC MMA has ever seen. But of course, you know, that kind of a, one of the funny things about Rocky movies is that they had they show the uh, pristine pristinity of boxing without a, usually a lot of like the dirt. You know, so many boxes and shit of combat sports fighters they beat their wives, they they on drugs. You know, they, all kinds of real. You know, and it, this if you you have to be realistic about people who beat each other up for a living. Some people got problems. That's just how, that's the name of the game. And so, you know, guys like John Jones, you know, he he came up, you know, he was like this, this golden boy, but, you know, his own life got in his way, you know, some, you know, just some CD backseat stuff that's going on. So he kind of fell out of favor. And now he's back. And, he, you know, you reminded me, like, you know, Don King, you know, we have a, a um, the head of the UFC, Dana White, you know, he's like the, he's a modern day uh, McMahon huckster kind of type, you know, he's, he's doing yeah, all this yeah. shady business stuff, you know. Um, even the most recent heavyweight champion, uh, Fresh Gano, kind of left on bad terms because he wasn't getting paid properly. They, they, were, they weren't doing stuff right by the fighters, like money wise and health wise. And they didn't give a fuck. He's like, which, what, is, is, it gonna, is it gonna cost more for me to help you guys out or to pay for this fucking uh, crypto sponsorship? Oh, crypto? Fuck you. Get get lost. Go to go to go to Strike Force. That, that, that's the kind of guy he is, you know? And um, but yeah, so they, he came back last night, and again, I've Many UFC fights have been very underwhelming for me in the past few years, and again, this is part of the even even because I, I was you know we're all the same age. We were there, we were there when the first UFC came out, the first Ultimate Fighting Championship. Where 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 John McKinney was like, this is human cockfighting. We was that was you know when they had a guy with one boxing glove fighting a jiu-jitsu guy. You know, shit was a shit was a wild fucking circus going on. Yeah, and early UFC days was like Mad Max level of insanity. They did definitely that was a Thunderdome. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, nowadays it's kind of nowadays it's kind of like cleaned up, quote unquote. Even though there's still like mad shady shit going on, it's just you know, more presentable for a wide audience. Um, and you it's, know, unfortunate. I, it's unfortunate these fighters put their life in the line. Like you know, I joked earlier about Don King, but on the real, like the sports, any sports could be a lot better if you treat these people like these individuals as human beings with healthcare and everything. But now nah, they mm -hmm. seem as disposable. 
And it's sad because yeah. this is the only option a lot of these fighters have. I'd rather like a lot of these fighters knowing from my personal experience, having demons, if it wasn't for fighting professionally, they'll be in the streets, yep, you know, doing yep. heinous things. And this is the therapy, you know, and it's kind of yeah. crazy though. Yeah. And I, I just got to, I mentioned it before. Um, I seen a lot of myself, um, veterans who came back, you know, they, they can't hold on jobs. They, they have substance problems and they they'll join gyms, uh, judicial gyms or may gyms. And just that the camaraderie and, and the activity alone Get them back on their feet. Just like they don't, they help them get jobs, help them get the support. Yeah, you know, like 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 we say, like I, I'm I'm joking too, but I'm I'm like yes, to be in a combat sports normally, usually or more often than not, you got some shit going on with you. But like that, the fighting itself helps that. And you know, like you said, we gotta respect that them as part of them putting themselves, putting their lives on the line for our entertainment. You know, of, of such a petty thing for us, but it was like for them, it's real life. And we 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 owe them that respect and, and 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 honor to like you know make sure that they're okay to do the thing they, they chose to do for for us and you know for them too. But uh, so but you know back to the fight you know it was like uh we see Creed Creed three and like oh this is really cool like you know there's a lot of black messaging and and, and cultures are going. Then you see this UFC fight and it was it was lackluster. What John Jones won? He, made, he made it look easy. I, I watched the the clip. I was like, Jesus Christ! He just fucking handled yeah. that dude. It took him out like a minute. And yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it was it's it's. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's like I was excited to see him back, but now it's just like, oh, I I, I almost forgot that how how much of a uh, limp circus UFC can be because you know I'm I'm buying into the hype. I'm oh my god, he's back. He's gonna fuck people up, and he and he he does technically yes, but it's like now that was it. Now that's, that's what I. You know, that's, he's that's just so I, much stronger than everybody, and he's got his hips are in the leverage. It was just like yeah. in the moment he had him on the the takedown, it was like the other guy was just it was like it was like fighting a you know an anaconda with the, when you see the rat, you're like you're fucked, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. oh man, it's over. Yeah. Anyway, this was one of the things that I I, I follow. Uh, I kind of I, I wonder if I'll have him. On, we can ask him one day. He's a very busy man. He's a writer slash. A very crazy man, Eugene S. Robinson. He's a writer, musician, uh, former fighter. He he came up during, during like the eighties, like the the real hardcore punk scene in Lower East Side. He's a very he's a very he's a character. That guy. He's um and he's he's very he does a very he does uh stuff with Bloody Elbow and MMA and he has a very good insight to like the the business side and also the fighting side, the, the, the psyche. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I just, it's interesting. That's why I'm interested in MMA because like this all these stories and real real lives behind it. But just, yeah, I'm just kind of still disappointed that the actual fights themselves, more often than not, at least for the past few years that I've noticed, just kind of nothing, you know. So, hey, uh, I'm glad I got to see Creed 3, see the actual what, what, good fight. I had to step out, so I don't know if you guys brought this up, but did you see fucking Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal? Oh, that's right. Holy shit. Gyllenhaal looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mike, you had said that you weren't going to see that movie because of uh, Conor McGregor. And I was like, well, you're a better man than me because I'm fucking going to see that shit. <laughs> Uh, I, mean, you, I didn't it's not that i'm not gonna see it it's that my interest in it plummeted but okay. still fucking gyllenhaal playing dalton and after last night i'm like holy like i, I mean we've seen him get ripped before because like he's fucking jacked in southpaw but uh but oh my god like and, and he looks legit like that I know it's a choreographed fight scene, but he looked good doing it too. So he looked like an actual MMA fighter, like his build. He doesn't look like a bodybuilder or a boxer or like a Marvel superhero HGH steroid freakazoid. No, he looks like an actual freaking fighter. Like I was like impressed, very impressed. 
I mean, he actually kind of looks better than most of them because when they do do the frontal bicep thing, like their chest goes away, but this dude's got like these huge fucking pecs. And you're like, damn it. Damn it, Gyllenhaal. Like, Gyllenhaal, really, man? You can put me to shame like that, man? I just had cheese. You remember with credit? I just had a bacon cheese, man. It was my cheat day, bro. And you didn't cheat? Damn it. Like, come oh, on. Man. I got ladies next to me I need to impress. You ruining, man. My charm could take me so far, bro. You got dimples on top of your muscles? Stop. Stop. <laughs> Stop being all sexy in front of these people, man. Stop it, bro. I got mothers I got to protect, bro. <laughs> the marriages that need to be saved, man. Don't do it. Talk about body by Jake, man. Come on now. <laughs> and and he, he's talking super shit at the beginning, too. So I'm, I think the weigh-in stuff that they posted, I think that that probably has to be the beginning. And it's a it's a backstory type of deal yeah, for yeah. the movie. Based on what I know of the movie, what I've been able to glean, that's kind of what happens is basically he's a champion MMA fighter, but he gets, I don't know if he gets hurt or he gets some. Humbled. He gets humbled. Yeah, and then has to go be the bouncer at this at this bar, and you know, based on the behind the scenes footage, it looks like it's going to have a lot more like action, like gunplay type action than what we'd expect from Roadhouse. It's really looking to me like it's going to be kind of Roadhouse in name only, which I think is probably the smart way to go. Right? I, it looks big budget too. Like it's not, it's not. They're not fucking around. It's not. It's not some dinky fucking bar. Yeah, it looks big. Doug Lyman. I mean, this isn't like, yeah, this isn't like some DTV geezer teaser. Like this is, this is a, an actual legit honest to God movie. I mean, obviously if they're spending the money to shoot scenes at a real UFC fight, like this is, this is going to be that Amazon money is, is really moving this thing forward. So I, I, I don't want to go, too, we've gone too long, but I just, I just got to say, I, I, I'm not, I'm not feeling, I happened to see Roadhouse again recently Last week when I was in a bar of all places, I was, there was a, there was a go go dances. You know, ever been to um Lucky Thirteen, uh, Frankie? It's a it's come on. You see this face? Hey! <laughs> you see this face? Come on now. Come on. Yeah, you know what's up? Yeah. So I'm there. Watch. I'm, there's a live band in the back doing death metal. There's the girls on top doing the dancing, and they got their roadhouse on the TV at the same time. I'm heaven. But but actually, I'm, I'm taking the movie between the titties in the, in the van. I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, this is like you can't replicate this stuff. It's like the seediness. Like it's just like. The simple little thing is like, but Patrick Swayze and uh, Kelly Lynch—they're sexy as fuck. But it's like it's it's like natural, like I don't know, like tangible like sexuality to it. But also the fighting, also like you know, uh, the his character—he's he's a philosopher. Like that's that's what makes the movie so special. He's not just some like tough guy off the streets. He's like a he's a he's a warrior poet. And I was like, I don't know, I don't understand if you're not gonna have that in this movie. Well, What's the point of calling it Roadhouse? I mean, yeah. okay. well, the point is that you get this big budget and you get to do it. So, I mean, I, I think that is the right approach. Like what Mike said, though, like you, you're getting the name. So that's that's green lighting this bigger budget. So you can make something bigger, but just don't fucking remake Roadhouse. Just have a guy named Dalton doing fucking yeah. people up. They're probably they're probably not going to lose that warrior poet aspect of it because you don't cast Jake fucking Gyllenhaal. Mm. In, if you're not expecting there to be something weird and quirky. <laughs> like yes we're watching him fight last night you know at, at an emma but you know that there's no way that gyllenhaal's not going to do some weird interesting patrick swayze type shit in this movie because he's jake gyllenhaal he, he can't not um and so you know and that was the thing for me is part of it is if it wasn't 
watching him weird it the fuck up in a hardcore action movie like Ambulance, I'd be a lot less interested. I'd be a lot more like this is going to be boring. But after mm-hmm. Ambulance, it's it's Gyllenhaal. He's gonna do some weird shit. Like, yeah, so I, yeah I, I'm I'm still trepidatious, but you know, hey, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, I, did, I have no reason to like not not have faith in the movie. Like you said, there's like uh, they put in all the resources into it, so you know, it, we'll see. Um, so hey, I mean, we've gone two hours there about and um, wait a uh, minute, we've been going for two hours. Yeah, nigga. We, we, <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize it. Oh my god, man. And so I, I I I'm, I'm gonna take up. I'm gonna drive here for like I'm. I want to say thank you, thank you, Tom Sweet Kung Fu, for being on our show once again. Like I said, you part of the trauma, part of the, the real shit going on in in cinema and in film journalism, film criticism, from analysis. You know, like it, it, like this is the realest we, you know we we gonna ever gonna get. And we would love to have you back many more times because we could talk for hours. I'm sure about all kinds of bullshit. Oh my man, um, I'm Dominican. All we do is talk and flirt. You know what I'm saying? That's all we do. We love chopping it up, man. But y'all can hit me up anytime, man. Y'all got my email. Hit me up. If y'all want drinks, you know where to find me, bro. Just hit me up, man. <laughs> Yo, for real, I definitely. I keep saying I keep saying this shit, but you know, I ain't got no car now because you got Jack Jack, but I'm going to come find you someday. Some, Dude, we got the soon. NBA, man. Come on now. That's a metro <laughs> car, bro. We could have, we could have, you know, enjoy the fuckery in the train, bro. <laughs> like, come on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So was just once again, thank you for um and then oh last thing before we get to the uh, end part here, Mike, you can close out. But uh, I just want to mention to everybody, uh, this is my technically my birthday weekend. My birthday is tomorrow, Monday. You know, so I, I really have, I'm really appreciated. Um, shit, happy, I, I, happy birthday! You can just sneak that in there. Yeah. <laughs> Today was about you, my friend. Today was about you. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm here for the ride. I but, you know, I, I, seriously, I appreciate what you guys are doing, man. Because um, it wasn't for your guys. Y'all wouldn't opening open up. A certain you know film genres that I want know I didn't know had like a good following with Western action films. I'm mostly like Easter Asian or like you know stuff like that. I, I grew up with a couple of you know American films, but it wasn't for you guys. I didn't know that Scott Hawkins made more films. I didn't know about all these you know films coming out, man. And you know it's all about showing love, man. I appreciate you guys for that. Yeah, man, appreciate. Yeah, exactly for showing love. We appreciate you showing us love and doing doing right by these movies. You know, keep speaking the truth, speaking truth to power is so important. You know, I, I always talk shit about you know these people don't, don't know shit. I'm, 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 I mean that with the bottom of my heart. Like you know, you got people keeping it real in the truest sense, and you're one of them. I appreciate that. And so yeah, you know, I, this is like a great birthday present for me. You know, like do hang out and do all this shit. Yeah, I appreciate. Very honor, humble man. Seriously, man. I'm, I'm yeah. definitely gonna drink two bottles of Casamigos for you then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be joining uh, Liam in the in the forty club. I know Mike's already Mike's already been there. He's, he's Wait, so, are you turning forty? Yeah, motherfucker. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, welcome, wow. man. Welcome, forty-three, man. Yeah, it's a I'm, big milestone. Yeah, man. I, I don't know I how felt, I, I felt great turning forty. I'm turning forty-one in a month, and shit is getting slow. Um, this the area around my hips and ass is like number. I don't know why that is, but like, because you know, I'm working out. I'm like, I don't feel this like this the the elasticity. And like the juice is leaving the body. You gotta so, get on that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, lots to look forward to. <laughs> lots to look you gotta, forward to. You gotta get on that uh, Alan Richardson diet uh, program, the HGH. You, you, you saw the picture of him, um, uh, Reacher, with, the, with his, with his uh, dick veins up to his abs. Oh, you know what, like man? I, I, I love it that he's just fucking going for it because I actually have a couple actor friends and I'm like, like th- th- this, this, this area was like 
open for anyone to take. He, there was a lane that was open that was like, if you're a big guy, why don't you just fucking be a man and do some juice and see what happens? Because we got, we got like, there's a lot of fucking people that need that spot. And this guy just, he, he read the landscape. He got the right role at the right time. And now he's like, oh, you guys like this, huh? And now he's showing us his fucking his pelvis veins. And it's like, Jesus Christ. The, you know, God bless him. Look, allegedly, maybe he's all natural. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But, right, right. Uh, look, looks legit. <laughs> um, all right, Frankie, where I mean, I can't imagine anybody listening doesn't already follow you, but where can people find you if they want to follow you? Specifically, especially Twitter and your YouTube channel. Um, besides, you know, the bar on 116 and Third Avenue, I mean they could find <laughs> <laughs> they could find me on Twitter, man, at Times Square Kung Fu. Instagram, same name, at Times Square Kung Fu, all together. But here's the thing, though, because I'm so New York. It's Times, then S-Q, Kung Fu. Just like we get off the train stop. Don't don't spell the whole thing out because you're going to get some other random stuff. But, yeah, man, that's where you guys could find me at. And on YouTube, man, same thing, man. I do my little film analysis, comparisons, man, just to keep that culture alive and make you guys save monies because sometimes, your DVD just looks good enough, man. And I love that you're keeping the laser disc tradition alive. As you know, I'm a big laser disc guy too. So I love, I love my laser disc, yo. Let me tell. Oh man, this could be another whole hour, but I love my laser disc, man. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, I appreciate you guys for having me here, man. It was fun to do a podcast hungover, man, but it was worth it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, where can people find you? Uh, Liam Odin, Twitter, Instagram. Um, uh, it was a great, great conversation. Thank you for coming on, Frankie. And um, it's it's great to see you guys. Uh, happy birthday again to Vice. And thank you, Mike, for putting up with us every week. Always, always love you. Vice, <laughs> uh, people find you. I'm at the um, in Cleveland's Popeyes, uh, next to the, the uh, Cleveland train station at LIR, on Drake <laughs> Avenue. I'll be there all the time. Yeah, good. The guy got to get the, uh, uh, the surf and turf deal going on. Eight shrimp and fries for $6. Yeah, I'm all up in there. Also, you can find me on Instagram, looking hot at Vice Victus. Me and my, you can see me and my lady, me and all the food I'm eating. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a fat steak tomorrow. Oh my god, that's gonna be the dope. I'm gonna put pictures on that. Uh, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate my 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 bad heart, my bad cholesterol. It's all good. That's all good. I'm I'm past the prime. It's all it's all good. I'm on Letterboxd uh, at Vice Victus. Also, uh, you can see my, my latest review for Creed in, in full there and other reviews from the, from recently this year. Um, so if I'm trying to be smart, so uh, hopefully I'll, I'll pull that off. And of course, I am on Twitter's at Vice Victus talking so much shit. I, I talk so much shit that it, it, it becomes truth. That's how, that's how much it is. It, it's, it's the truest shit you ever heard. That's what it's going to be. Well, next, um, next, almost truest next to Frankie because he's he talking real shit. I just talk true shit. There's a little bit different. Difference There's levels to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. And uh, I want to, I've got a couple of things that I want to plug. Uh, first, I want to shout out F This Movie, uh, my movie home away from home for doing yet another successful F This Movie Fest that I participated in yesterday. Um, I was only able to join for the last two movies, but uh, God damn, I, I just, Return of the Jedi is just one of those movies that like I need to watch every year because as time goes between watches, I start to think it's worse than it actually is. And then I watch it and I'm like, no, this fucking movie rips. Like this movie is so goddamn good. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, that was a lot of fun. I also have two upcoming guest spots on podcasts. I did um, my friend Matt Bledsoe's show, Film Feast podcast, where we were talking about Sam Raimi's The Quick and the Dead and showering that movie with nothing but love because that movie 
fucking rules. And then uh, I once again jumped at the opportunity to talk about the Purge movies. I'm going to be on the pod and the Pendulum podcast talking about the first Purge. Uh, and uh, I had to sneak in when talking about that, that uh, the Director X remake of Superfly came out the same year, both with Lex Scott Davis and both two of the best goddamn black exploitation movies that I've seen in the last 20 years in terms of like neo black exploitation. So uh, so check that out. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Hibachi Justice, Letterboxd at Hibachi Justice. You can find the show at A4E Podcast, uh, Linktree slash A4E Podcast. And uh, and I, I see your finger Liam, and uh, you're listening to us so you can hear us anywhere podcasts are found. And Liam has one thing to add. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, you know, there's an announcement this week of uh, Triggerman with uh, with A4E uh, alum, uh, Chad Law and uh, Ian Graham, uh, writers of the script. Um, and that uh, was up in, in Deadline as a, an upcoming project for me. I just want to give them a shout out and uh, thank everybody for the congrats. Um we're still it, it's one of those movies that, uh, as you can tell from the premise, uh, can kind of be filmed in in a, in a contained area. So we still are have, uh, you know, scouts and casting and all that underway. It's not nothing's locked in for dates or, or cast. But, uh, you know, hopefully it's something that we can uh, we can plug into the schedule in the next year. Um, and so just again, wanted to uh, shout out those guys and thank everybody for the well wishes. And an actual movie between with you and Chad might cause action Twitter's heads to explode. <laughs> I, I was going to bring it up for you, but you know, I know deadline announced it, but I also know it's still very early in the process. So I didn't know if you wanted to bring it up or not, but I'm glad you did. Um, Thank you. Chad, we love you. Um, I, I'm very excited. I hope this all comes together. So, uh, because yeah, that's the two of you working together is just going to be uh that that's going to be so I'm, I'm learning so much already chad is a is a is a hustler like no other he's a he's a, definitely an interesting cat yep we love him we need to get him back on again soon um certainly especially if this comes together we need you guys to give us all oh yeah time. oh yeah we'll we definitely do that all right uh that's all boys love you let's do this again next week the eyes peace cheers yeah. and thank you guys for having me on seriously man yeah. absolutely <laughs> Oh,